Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In the words of Al Pacino, just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. Here we are, episode 37. It's the retrospective episode of Epil Black Box. How are you, Mr. Mark Southern? Um, um, yes, yes. So uh, I feel a bit, uh, feel a bit under the weather, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my best to raise my game for this one um, because it is quite a nice, um, relaxed, hopefully, uh, episode. Mm. Um, looking back, we'll briefly look back at last week, um, which seems ages ago, doesn't it? It was only. Seven days ago, that the season came to an end, and yeah, it seems an age already. Um, I've enjoyed the break so far. Uh, we're going to look back on that. But mainly, we're going to look back at our own seasons, and we'll probably do a bit more of this um, over the summer as well, and be- certainly before next season, we'll go into a bit more detail. But we'll have a, a skirt through our seasons using some of the tools that are out there in the community, oh, and there are absolutely to. loads. <laughs> I know, you're going to love it, aren't you? There are, there are loads of tools out there, and there's five that I'm using um, I have used so far, um, and that is live FBL, FBL optimized, FBL retro, FBL review, and FBL guru. Five tools that I've used for tonight's show to gather some some bits and pieces to look at our season. Uh, and then, if we've time, but I'm also going to look at the um, the best players from last season, top tens for or top twenties for all the positions, and we can talk a little bit about any players we fancy going into into the next campaign, which will be interesting too if we have time. But it's going to be a bit indulgent, the first part, but bear with us because um, there'll be a, <laughs> I can dig out as a well, few I need more times. It. Yeah. I need all the lessons and help I can get after after this year. Oh, it's been painful. You I, I need happen. to stop beating myself up too much about it. Like, it's not been a complete disaster. I mean, I had to look back mm. at some of our old episodes and, you know, it was like 750k at one point and you were like 6,000. So at least I closed the gap to a relatively respectable level but mm. it's still yeah still not where I really want to be but it's not it's not completely terrible and it looked like you were going to make the 100k quite comfortably at one point that's then. that's the what's disappointing yeah yeah yeah, yeah I, I get Mane. it I get it Sadio Mane mm. well we'll one. look at that um, I mean let's let's go back just seven days as I said and look at look at Sunday's outcomes um, yeah it was a bit of a non-event for you wasn't it in the end I mean you went with the captaincy on Rafinha you rolled the dice with that and it didn't come off basically that, that in a nutshell that was it that was the crux of it wasn't it because the difference between me and my game week and yours was just the captaincy really 
Yeah. And, you know, I was the, the big thing for me was this Elite 64 battle that I had going on. And mm. on paper, my, my team looked good. I think the the guy I was against, um, he, he got in Mane, didn't captain him, went for Salah, but then had two no-shows with Bamford on the bench and Greenwood. So I was immediately thinking, oh, I'm definitely going to win this. And it was all looking good right up until about the 75th minute. And then Manny got the second goal. Bamford came off the bench and scored. And it all just it all just turned as it so often does. And I needed points from like Lingard and Antonio. Leeds lost the clean sheet, which meant I lost the two points from Rafinha and Harrison as well, as well as the Dallas points too. So that was really disappointing. Um, and then, you know, I could have done Son to Mane and captained him and rolled on it. But like I said on the Q&A last week, I just didn't feel that comfortable with it. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's those fine margins, isn't it? Like if I'd done that, I don't think it would have been enough to take me. Would it be enough to take me to Tomlinson if I got in Mane and captained him? Yeah, maybe twenty points or something. Yeah, it's just <laughs> yeah, it was just a captaincy, really, wasn't it? I mean, Holding got you a clean sheet, which was what you uh, were hoping for from him, because you didn't really have much on the bench. You weren't going to want to call on Cody. Um, Lindorf wasn't going to play a course and Cavalier. I think I think this week just kind of sums up a lot of weeks for me this season. Mm. Just meh. Like I didn't lose any ground. I, you know, I, I, I was about 134,000 before the season started. I went for it with what I thought was a, 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 like a good captaincy shout. Um, you know, no Bamford, double lead midfield. Kind of thought I had all the things in place to kind of push a bit and then just ended up with like a 2K red arrow and, and down to down to 135 mm. points. So I literally went down 1,000 places, which, you know, I thought I'd either go down to like 160, 170 or push up to the to the top hundred. So it was just a bit boring in the end, but it was, it was an exciting final day. I did enjoy oh, yeah, it. Oh yeah. 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 Mane. Yeah. Mane, I mean, that's Mane what, I mean, that's, that's what did for me in the end. I went up to my highest rank of the season, which is what I finished on 2061. Thanks to the Mane captaincy. Um, it wasn't enough to beat Andy. I was on the live stream of him, but he beat me by, that's all, by yeah. 13 points. <laughs> uh, and he, had he gone Mane captain, he would have made it into the top 1K, which he was bringing mm. his hands about. Um, I was obviously really pleased with the outcome of that. Salah, Salah got a blank and, and Mane came in, which is what I hoped for. Um, and um, yeah, I didn't make the top 2K, uh, which is annoying. And also, as we're going to see in a moment, I um, I lost to Fabio in the Great and the Good mm. League. And the difference between myself and Fabio was just three points. Uh, and had I captain Antonio in 37, which was obviously something you ribbed me about, I would have beaten in and won the Great and the Good League. Um, mm. And for those who didn't realise, I was I was long planning to captain Antonio over Salah in game at 37. Didn't do it. Uh, Salah blanked at Burnley and Antonio got a goal, of course. It, it, it never ceases to amaze me that so many times these kind of battles and, and things come down to one or two or three points. Mm. And, you know, you're talking thousands of points over a season. I remember I, I won a mini league a few years ago. Um, I won quite a lot of money. I won about six, seven hundred pounds, I think, on the final day because they took Vardy's bonus point off him. Wow! <laughs> and had he had he not had that point taken off, I think we would have drawn, or I think I might even have lost on on transfers made or something like that. Mm. But yeah, he lost a, the the game updated. I thought we'd drawn, and then ten minutes later, it updated again, and he lost the bonus, and I won the league by by one point. Wow. So it's, all these points matter. You think you know? You think throughout a season, oh, I've benched four points. It doesn't matter. Blah blah blah. But they do. Yeah, the and end. I, I guess get, yeah. at this point we should say congratulations to Michael Kuhn who won the FBL on the final day. Absolutely. And it was very much now buying for him as well. He also went with a Mane captain, uh, which won it for him in the end. But the Hal Robson-Kanu goal at Leeds also 
was was crucial. And it, like you say, it's these small margins that make all the difference at the top of mini league. Andy's in the chat, by the way. Andy's there. Uh, he? Just to know, Andy, we, we don't actually take super chats uh, during the main pod. So no, he's, he's just trying question. to rib you about uh, about a certain <laughs> Chelsea player there. <laughs> oh, we'll talk about that in a minute. I'm fuming about that. <laughs> yeah, we will talk about it because he will come up in what we say. Um, just briefly touch on our histories. A lot of people have put their histories up online. I haven't, I haven't done that, um, but I will say that it is Good. my seventh best season overall. I don't, I don't understand and, yeah. how that can be your seventh best season. You finished yeah. 2K. Yeah, it's funny actually. I've only just realised looking at this that all my top 10K finishes are in the top 5K. I haven't got any top 10K finishes out, uh, outside the top 5K. So, uh, 2017, 11,000. Oh, oh, I'm not going to put yeah. my rank history up, but here's, here I just, it is I on the pod. I only realised when I saw when I saw <laughs> it, I was like, hold on, so all my top 10K are actually 5K. I haven't got any in the top 10K out under 5K. Do you remember the first the first one we ever did where you couldn't remember how many yeah, top 1K finishes know. you had? Yeah, don't, don't, <laughs> didn't look at it. Um, but for you, it's your 12th best season. So again, you know, 7th and 12th, not... Not amazing, not amazing seasons by any means, but yeah, it's 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 my worst. It's my worst season since I since I started playing properly. Like right. if you look at the years, you know, around this rank, so two thousand seven, two thousand nine, two thousand eleven, two thousand and eight. Mm. That was kind of before I really got into. You know, I was always kind of around scout a little bit, but it was before I kind of really got into the into the dress. So since I've been playing seriously, I've, I've finished in the top hundred k every season. It was funny. Someone put on. I put my my rank history up as a bit of indulgence and uh, my favourite comment was um, oh as your season history isn't actually that bad I thought you were just a banter account wow well, who was mate. that was that, was that Zoff as well <laughs> yeah probably <laughs> um, no it's, yeah. it, it's, it's fine I mean, the thing is I, I, you see you've got seasons where you didn't play it seriously whereas I started in 2006-07 and I definitely can't say I didn't take it seriously because that was the first season I was season taking I it seriously but not not to the level of obsession mm. that, yeah, but that it is. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of people in the community who have three or four seasons where it's like, okay, I was just trying it out. And that's fair enough. I mm. totally get that. I never did, which is why my career looks probably better because from the very start, I took it really seriously. So I don't have any really low ranks in the early days because I was, I was right on it, basically intensely involved. Um, <laughs> my low ranks just came well, later. If you, weren't, if you weren't getting good ranks in the early days, then I don't know who... Plenty but it was easier, wasn't it? It was fewer players as well. So, you know, again, that, that helps make my early days look better, doesn't it? Anyway, I'll get my ranks Did off the keep team. Back, we don't want to... keep back some information from everyone. What, in those days? Fantasy Football Scout. No, not at all. Yeah, just, we don't, just keep that a little bit for me. We don't want to leave those ranks up on screen for too long. Maybe another 25 minutes or so. Should we just talk for another 20 minutes? <laughs> no. Uh, let's look at the great for the good league. Um, yeah, this is the pain of losing to Fabio by three points. Fabio, of course, top of the Hall of Fame. It's no disgrace to be losing to him. Um, fantastic um, FBL manager, of course. The best, according to the scout Hall he of is, Fame. Well, he, he is. Yeah. I, I, I do believe he's... Yeah, he's um, you, unfortunately, are definitely up there, but Fabio is... Yeah, he's played fewer seasons good. than me, but almost every season has been fantastic, whereas I've had a couple of duds. Mm. So, you know, the way I go. He didn't have a good final day. I almost caught him um, because he lost some rank and I gained quite a lot. Um, and again, you know, lost to him by the three points. And so, so 
so painful. I didn't really realise because I moved on from the Antonio captaincy. I was like, oh, it's only six points. That doesn't matter. And then it dawned on me about, you know, a few hours afterwards that I'd lost a great in the good league by three points. I'm like, oh no, I'm quite, seriously. I'm quite happy that, that that happened yeah. in, a, in, yeah, a way, in, a, in a sadistic kind yeah, of way because you, you deserve that. Oh, thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was painful. But, you know, it's fair enough. Fabio deserves it. Magnus couldn't catch me, so I held on to second. You're down third from bottom. Does that mean it's relegation? Have you been saved? Have you have you got together with Greyhead? No, I've sent I've sent Greyhead a, a nice bouquet of flowers mm. and some chocolates, and um, he's ac- he's actually expanding the league next year. Oh, I rather see. Than relegating people. I see a bit of a so super league scenario, in. is it? You've managed to yeah. So no I've... relegation <laughs> for us. I see. But I mean, I overtook Villaronca. So we talk about good FPL managers. I mean, mm. I actually overtook Villaronca on on the final day. He had he had the worst week in in the Great and the Good. Yeah. Um, him and I have been battling out kind of for ages near near the bottom. I've got to give a shout out to Joe though. Joe finishing again in the top hundred k. Never got finished outside the top hundred k yep. in his in his long season, and even even with a red arrow um, on the final day. So, well played, Joe. Yep, he's got that consistency um, of never. I mean, you know, I've got two seasons well outside the top hundred k, so it's really hard to maintain that. So. Very well played. Um, yeah, so let's move on from that uh, and start looking at um, some analysis of our seasons. This is livefbl.net, Ragabolly's site, which surely you know about by now. If you don't know about this, then you need to get involved and get on that site. Um, And also, I would urge you to save your stats, your season stats with Ragabolly, because what you get out of that is fantastic. And this is some of the data that we got out of that. So don't wait for that, because sooner or later, the data is going to disappear. So get in now, get on livefbl.net, get your season saved, because... It is really valuable to look back at your season and do some analysis, which is what we're going to do. And and perhaps what I hope this show is it gives you some idea of what you could do with your own team, look how you could look at it and what analysis you could do of your season based on some of the stuff that we're doing. It's tonight. not all, this is the thing, like it's not all just hindsight. It's because mm. I, I posted something, um, there was another thing I posted, which a load of people jump on, <laughs> uh, just about like game week one team and just trying to learn some lessons from from what I did in game week one. And the amount of people being like, oh, it's just hindsight. They didn't perform, so obviously. But it's like, no, no, because it's not just the outcome. There's, there was there was things I, there was players I put in my team, gave me one, decisions I made and process I went through that I do every year. It's a third year in a row I've had a bad start. If I can't, I've got to learn from from things like that. Yeah, and I think I def- we're definitely going to be looking at game week one in the preseason. I'm going to get all the data of the top 10 managers and look at their game week one and what they did. Um, and compare it to what we did. I've had a quick look and we won't go into it in this show, but it is, it is really important to get a good start. Um, I think, you know, when I look at the average rank of the top, the, the final top 10, when you look at the average rank that they had by game week two or three, I mm. bet they're all in the top, at least the top 40, yeah. 50,000. And that's, you know, and that's kind of where you need to be at that point if you're going to push on. I think we did, we did one in one episode, didn't we? And it was, I think there was only one of the top... Was it the top 50 or something we looked at? And only one was like outside the top million mm. after like 10 or 15 game weeks. Well, we'll do that. Those stats might be some, something, yeah, something like that. but we'll like do that. that exact analysis in the preseason. For now, um, just a quick comparison between myself, your team and Michael Coon's team. Um, and the thing that immediately leaps out, obviously points. Um, transfers, you made 48, I made 44. Michael made 42. It's 56 points in hits for you. To, to do more than me is quite an achievement because I'm normally hit crazy, aren't I? But, I mean, have you got any comment the about that? The thing is, well, the thing is, like, I, I, I know the, the easy take from this is to be like, more hits means 
you do worse. But you've also got to remember that I spent a long time doing worse. So my team was worse mm. than like yours. So I had to take more hits because I had to kind of try and get my team to a, a better place. Whereas people in the higher like echelons of the game have players in place and so need to take less hits. So I've, I've never been too much of a, of a fan of being like, okay, so if you take less hits, you'll do better because I don't really, I find it a bit hard to make that, make that conclusion. At the same time, I did take too many hits. <laughs> so mm. there is definitely, there's definitely a bit of it. And there's definitely times when I could have saved. I think, you know, and I, I do say this every year, but because I'm playing the um, elite Serian game uh, and it's, it's weird because I don't know any of the Norwegian players at all. Um, but what I'm trying to do with that is just be a bit different and just, and save the transfer and then use two each week and just, cause it just gives you so much more flexibility. And I say every year, having those two transfers, even if you take a hit with it means you can shake things up so much more. So I do need to try and be a bit more patient, but I'm, I'm a very impulsive FPL manager and I like to move quickly on things. And I think sometimes that probably is to my detriment. But It's interesting playing Elite, elite Seven because you can try some things out with that because the game translates mm. almost directly to FPL, doesn't it? So it's, it's good, not a bad idea to experiment in that. See what it is work. difficult not knowing how good any of the teams are mm. or how or any of the players. You are basically <laughs> like FPL Apprentice in that respect, aren't you? Yeah, it feels like I just it. want to go exactly. back to the great and the good league see how your number of hits compares to everybody else. Um, you didn't take the most in the league. Obviously, Late Riser really went for it to try and push up his rank mm. with 108 points of hits. Uh, General took 60. Sean Tobin took 64. So you're in good company, really good company in terms of the number. Of, I think generally there were more hits taken this season mm. across the board. I mean, the lowest in, in the great and the good league was Neil. no. Tom Freeman, 28. Um, so that's quite a high number. If we go back as well to compare to Michael Kuhn, who won the FBL, he took 36 points in hits. So that's mm. quite a lot for the winner. Um, we'll look at the top 10 another time. But it'd be jo- Josh last year, didn't, did he, take, he didn't take any, I don't think he? he took many. I think he, and one of the strategies... It that was he very, aligned, very few yeah. or, or none. Um, mm. Yeah. But the trick is getting the right. Yeah, that's the thing. I think I think this year was felt like a particularly like reactionary mm. season. Like you wanted to move quickly from different players. There was players like off form quite a lot coming back on form. As players, you wanted to jump on quite quickly. So I think a lot of managers were were moving. It was it's, it's the most reactionary season I've I've had. Um, never really feeling happy with with my team, no matter how it was set up. Can't think of many weeks when I actually thought, yeah, I'm going to have a really good week this week. Mm. Well, I'm partial to a hit. I don't, I don't necessarily look at my total and think I'm going to change next season. I mean, that's kind of probably about average for me, that number of hits. Um, but we'll see. Um, most captained, uh, we all went Salah. Uh, I went Salah 13 times, you 11, Michael 11. Uh, most points, um, Salah across the board, apart from Michael, who absolutely got the best out of Harry Kane. And Harry Kane's a player we're going to look at a bit later on and how he treated us. Uh, it's quite interesting. He was his um, player with the most points uh, in, relative to the top 10K. Um, this is um, Ragaboli's um, stat, basically. It's, it's basically total gain versus top 10K. Um, so just getting him early and captain yeah, every week. Yeah, and 109.39 mm-hmm. for, for Michael on Kane. Myself, it's Alexander-Arnold, 92.03, and you, Salah, 67.28. Um, the rank killer for you was Harry Kane. He did the most damage yeah. to you relative to the top 10K. I was a long time 
That was a long time before I got him in. Mm. Uh, I remember, do you remember the wildcard stream we did? Mm. Well, I'm going to show you, show you where you got him in here. Look, there you go. <laughs> Um, this is from F- fplautomize.com, another brilliant site we're going to use tonight. And there, the, the top diagram shows when you got him in. You got him in in game week seven. seven. I got him in in six. But we both of us missed that huge spike in halls at the start of the season from game weeks one to five where Kane was on fire. Mm. We both missed out on that. Um, and so from that point, we were quite similar in our in the way we adopted Kane. We both got him in for 18, um, then got rid again, then got him for the run in, effectively. But he really murdered us in that opening part, didn't he? He did. And it was another, just, well, this, this is the thing. I, I, I just, I remember watching that first game, Spurs v Everton, and just thinking there is absolutely no way Spurs are going to have a good season this year. Like Mourinho's not going to last. He's, he alienated Deli Alley after the first game. I just looked at him and just thought, there's nothing good about them. And then the next game, he gets 20-something points. And I was still stubborn. I was like, nope, that's just a freak like appearance. And then the next game he gets, I think he got like an assist or something. Yeah. And I was like, there we go. Now he's kind of regressed back to... And then he just went absolutely mad again. For like, so, Two 16-point you know, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's difficult to know when to back yourself and when to... Not because he was getting bought by him by so many people. And it was the same with Calvert-Lewin as well. I mean, you know, I, I didn't bring him in, missed his hat-trick against West Brom like on game week two. Um, I went for like Martial instead. You know, the first few weeks I lost like, you know, I lost so many points, 30, 40 points. Just... But then equally, I didn't think Calvert-Lewin was going to do that well this year and I didn't think Spurs were going to do that well this year. So should I have just backed against myself and just got them in because they were being bought in is, is the start of the season the time when you kind of need to be a little bit more template and be a bit more because it's the points it's the uh, the prices as well isn't mm. it that's the thing because Calvert-Lewin's price just went up and up and it up it was massive and, bandwagon yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think you're right I mean I, I well, going back to the live FBL days here, and if we go down to or look at my rank killer it, it's Son so similarly a Spurs player um Total loss versus a top 10K, 70.2 points. Huge, huge mm. losses for me. More, more than your one for Kane. So we both fell victim to the Spurs situation. And if you look at my ownership of Son compared to yours, you got Son pretty well. I mean, you got him in game week five and captained him. You missed the haul at Southampton. You missed the haul in game week four as well. You got him in after that and you did okay with him. He did well for you. Mm. For me, though, I, I also got him in game week five and captained him got rid mid-season, got him back at the end, perhaps a bit prematurely, got a couple of hauls out of him. But generally, Son, again, it was early season and mid-season where I didn't have him, where he did quite a lot of damage to me. And I think I look at the early season with Kane and Son as probably missing out on those points, not having either of them, was a disaster for me. Mm. And I think I fell foul of the narrative going into the season that Spurs, I didn't think they'd have a bad season, but I didn't think they'd be in it an attacking force because I bought into this oh, Marino negative football thing. But it was right. <laughs> well, it was right. They, you know, you take away the first, what, six games of, of the season mm. and they were just, they were pretty poor for, for a lot of matches. Yeah. The narrative, the narrative was right over the season. If you think about it as a season, they had a pretty poor campaign. They often struggled to, to break teams down and Son and Kane carried them 
more than I thought they would this year. I, I, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I just think that those first few weeks were just such a freak, like that 20 points for Kane and Son. I mean, you know, Son, was it four goals and Kane four assists or something? Like, it's just, I, I just don't know how you can like legislate for that. It's, it was just nuts. It's just Southampton. Well, that, that, but it was just the, the, the kind of relationship between Kane and Son just flourished in those early game weeks and, and it, it mm. did continue and I, I found it hard to believe and I think I've said before that I sometimes weave a narrative and then convince myself that's correct and, and I guess in my case I, I looked at Son and Kane and thought, well, that can't, you know, there's no way they're going to carry on linking up. I also thought teams would stop it and they didn't. Do you remember? Mm. Week after week we were seeing Kane dropping deep and putting Son in behind the defence and it seemed like opposition couldn't do anything to stop it. And that's what surprised me as well. I, I think you said that after game week two. You were like, well, there's no way they're going to let Kane just, you know, do that again. Mm. And then game week three, he didn't do that well. And then game week four, five and six, the team was just mm. letting him do whatever he wanted again. Yeah. And it was weird because I remember it was really distinctly strange. at half time, Son scored the goal right on the stroke of half time against Southampton. I think they were 2-1 down Spurs. And you saw Kane and Son get together as they walked off on the pitch. And you could almost see them going, right, we'll just keep doing that. <laughs> and then they, yeah. they came out the second <laughs> half and went, they just kept doing that and it worked every time. And it's like painful, absolutely painful if you didn't have either of them. Or, and a lot of people sold Son, didn't they, going into game week two as well. I mean, that, Oh, yeah, because yeah. they were going, well, they, that's similar because I, I sold Danny Ings because mm. um, the, plan, the plan for me, and this, this is the thing though, like I, I do think game week one, I was, I was so convinced on getting a United player in for that Crystal Palace game. I ignored all the lack of pre-season, all of just, just everything. I was like, right, I've got to get a, got to get a manual playing. So I sold Ings, who then went on and smashed it. Mm. I ignored Spurs because I thought they probably, they probably weren't going to carry on. I mean, I remember saying on the pod, if I had, if I had Son, I'd sell him for Rashford without, a, without a second thought. So there's another bit of good advice for people <laughs> listening. And uh, I think Rashford got nothing and Son got four goals. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what we can learn from this. Obviously, we'll, we'll do a lot more of that in the summer. We're not going to dwell on that now. But there, there, we have got to re-examine that Kane and Son episode and how we missed it and, and how we can try and not fall into that trap again. It's certainly a, a lesson to be learned. I want to go back to the great and the good because there was a third table which Greyhead gave me um, for tonight's show, which is really, really interesting, which was enabled me to look at how effectively we played our chips. And one of the lessons I've got from this season straight away is I didn't... Oh, something I beat you at. Yeah, I didn't play my chips effectively. So what I've done here in this table is I, what, what Gray has given us is uh, the game week that everyone in our league played their chips, the score they got out of their um, bench boost, the score they got out of their triple captain, the score they got with their free hit and the difference between that score and the average score that week. So that kind of measures the effectiveness of the free hit. And I've combined those three totals to find that Tom Freeman actually had, you know, showed the most effective use of his chips, scoring 125 for that. Whereas I'm third from bottom on 49, and you're just above me on 56. So both of us in the bottom half of the table, clearly from this, that, that idea that I need to be better with my chips next season is borne out, isn't it? Um, mm. there's not much in it between the uh, at the bottom it's me Sean Tobin and Joe all three of us had miserable chips basically and you're not much better I mean did you did you take that I mean is that a take you had anyway or does this un- just kind of is this news to you 
The, the, the free hit one's quite hard to judge because mm. I built, I set my team. My, I, if you if you looked at like the difference of my team compared to my team before, I was like 50 points better. I've had about two players in that game. Mm. So it wouldn't just be how I use the chip in that week. I'd also have to analyse how I set my team up going into the free hit and the, the decisions I made because maybe it would have been better just to avoid it and then go for it. But I still felt like a blank game week that kind of early on just I still think that was the right time to, to play it and I could have done better with the actual chip so I, I don't know about that I mean the, the triple captain I see is just something to have a little bit of fun with I mean you know you've you got some fairly big scores in here like Villaronka going for De Bruyne getting 48 and then the people that went for Kane but then everyone else getting like you know 15 points from it 12 points it's yeah, I, 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 no, I went for Bamford. Um, so I, I was the only one out of this list who went for someone outside of like a premium pick. And I'd do it again. Mm. I, I, you know, I don't, I just don't think that chip's ever going to get you absolutely massive points. And bench boost. I mean, the bench boost always feels like it should be good, but it's just not. It's so, it's so lucky. And the, the thing that I hate most about the bench boost is how you've got to get your team set up ready for it. Yeah. How you've got to like wildcard a, a couple of weeks before you've got to you disrupt the structure of your team. You've got to make sure you've got two playing goalkeepers and a decent defender. I hate the bench boost. Yeah, it was completely my, my undoing. Heart. I got eight points out of my bench boost and the top in our league was 34, which was general. Um, I played it and in you, 19. You played it. Yeah, you played it fairly. So you played about mid, midway through the season. Yeah, mm. but you, um, that was the one where you went for like Pope and... Um, yeah, two, you're two quite, quite premium goalkeepers, yeah, aren't you? Yeah, and I can't remember the second keeper I had, but I sold Martinez to get Pope as well, which was... And you went bizarre. triple leads. Triple leads, and they lost their second. Yeah. I told you yeah. not to go triple leads. Yeah, and it was awful. And, <laughs> and I, not only was the bench boost not very good, but the fact that I'd built for it and then had to take a strong bench beyond 19, which meant I made some bad benching decisions after that as well, because I gave myself that problem. So definitely, this this just underlines what I know. Um, so two things so far that I'm gathered is the start with Son and Kane I didn't react to, missed out on, didn't react quick enough, and the chips. So straight away, two lessons there mm. that I've got to make more of in in the summer and, and look at again ahead of next season. Uh, FM FM thirty eight mm. just just raises something in the yeah. chat that that cool. I I've kind of touted for the last couple of years, mm. but never actually had the conies to go through with but what about a game week one bench boost well it's interesting because the most effective place to play our triple captain was game week one because Salah in both our cases um, yep. and, and also with Michael as well we're going back to the this is fblretro.com this is the use of the chips and you look at all of us basically um could have used it on Salah in game week one and that would have been the most effective use of our triple captain all season. So using a chip in game week one is certainly something we shouldn't dismiss. And obviously in game week one, you are going to have a strong bench. You can, because you can build for it, right? And at least if you do it then... And a lot of people wildcard early anyway, right? Game week yeah. three, game week four. Yeah, I think, I think there is, that is something we should examine. It's not a popular strategy, is it? Because we all... You don't, you very rarely see it. Mm. But the chip in game week one... If you think of... Yeah, if you, well, if you think of... It's, I still think we've got the triple captain. Um, the free hit, I still think, is best in a blank. So, mm. 
unless Gabby wants a blank, I wouldn't think of using that then. Cause you, you know, it just gives you a free hit, um, a blank game. Um, triple captain. I still think double game makes the most fun time to use it. You could end up with a big haul, Sanchez, Aguero, seasons pass, less so with like uh, Shane Duffy and Andy Carroll, but you know, you've got, you've got a dream, but the, the bench boost, like people always play in a, in a, in a double game week, but you've got lesser players, like lesser in the sense that they're, they're cheaper. Often they might miss one. The fixtures aren't that good anyway, but you kind of get excited because it's a double. I think there's merit in it. If you can, it's just, it's just making sure you've got the, got the starters. Well, that's if it. You miss out. Yeah. If a player misses out. And you know, if they're coming back from the Euros and players are a bit tired and you don't know if they're fully fit, if there's any doubt on, on your starting 11, then it's, that's it. it's, it's hard enough to pick 11 players who are certain to start game week one without having to pick 15, I guess. That's, that's the only draw. Well, it's one of the major drawbacks. Um, what we're showing here is a screen from fblretro.com, another brilliant site, um, which is really handy for, for analysing your, your season. And it shows Michael's use of the chips versus ours. And the major difference is the bench boost. He got 31 points from his bench boost, which equaled, in fact, interestingly, General's tally in our league, right? So 30 points from a bench boost is a very, very good score. And that's what we should be aiming for next season, about that level. I mean, I'd be happy with 20, but 30 is, is a fantastic result. And Michael got that. Boy, yeah. You can aim for it, but I don't know how you get it. I mean, my, my best ever bench boost score is about 20. Yeah. Well, I think the point here I is... See, I see that chip as being worth between 10 and 20. Yes. Well, I think the point I'm trying to make here is, Michael, I'm looking for the reasons that Michael won this season. And one mm. of them is his use of the bench boost, 31 points, which is certainly above the average return. I mean, it's would have been the best in our league. Um, so that's certainly the first reason that you did, can tell. Do, do you know who he had? Who he had on it? Like, did he have like premium, more expensive I don't players know, on I it? Or looked. did he just get lucky with... I haven't looked. I mean, I think, ones. again, I think the chips are something that we'll dwell on a bit more in another show in the pre-season. And I'll, I'll go into detail of how Michael and certainly someone like General Lewis who did well with his bench boost, how they, how they came to that. Um, but just, yeah, I mean... Elsewhere, there wasn't too much difference in his use of chips to ours in terms of the immediate results. What's striking on mine is that you look at my wild card, my second wild card, I actually did worse um, immediately. I got 62 points out of my wild card. If I left my team as it was, I would have got 63. But I did really well the hmm. following week. So that's the thing. You can't judge a wild card hmm. on, on one week, but you can certainly judge the bench boost and the free hit on one week. And this shows us that Michael certainly made more of his than we did. Um, transfers, though, they've got some good news. This will cheer you up, right? Our transfers were pretty Please. pretty good over the season. Um, so again, this is from Retro.com. Um, so you um, made 48 transfers in total. And the total points you brought in as a result of those transfers were 309. And total points transfers out was 97. So a difference of 156, pretty decent. And your average per transfer is 4.7 points gained. My transfers are very effective. Uh, 44, 371 points in, 107 out, a difference of 224. Um, average of, was it seven points per transfer? So mm-hmm. pretty good. And when you look at Michael, who won the thing, his average per transfer is less than yours, 4.5. And 140 points um, was the difference between points gained and points lost. So Actually, you got more points out of your transfers than he got out of his. So this kind of 
indicates that Michael's use of his one transfer per week wasn't perhaps the thing that made the difference. Um, so it wasn't that. He, he was okay, he was good, but it wasn't, wasn't what you would expect perhaps from someone who's won it. Any comments on that? That is interesting. Yeah, I mean, the, the other thing though is it's not just the immediate return you get from players, it's how they do yeah. over a longer period. So like, I, I stuck with Martial for too long. I, I mean, Neil Mope, I mean, God, you talk about my villains of the season. I mean, I just, I got him in, I backed him for weeks and weeks and weeks and just didn't move, always had kind of other issues to, to address. So even though I was addressing other issues that were probably returning points because I was taking out really crap players, I had other crap players <laughs> still in my team that I'd bought in originally. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's nice to know that, gen, you know, this is the thing I always hate about that like zombie team mm. thing. And you know, about halfway through the season, I looked at it and I think if I'd left my team as it was, I'd have had 10 more points. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's nothing more depressing but than that. But that's not that. how the it amount of time out. we spend. No, which is, which is reassuring mm. um, to know that at least I'm doing, I'm doing kind of something right. But yeah, I, I, I don't feel particularly good about the majority of my transfers. Okay, issue. interesting. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you, I think you were, you know, there was not a major problem there. You could do better, of course. But when you compare yourself to the guy who won it, you're, you know, you're, you're bang on. So I don't, I don't think it's something you need to beat yourself up upon on transfers. Um, but there are other areas where Michael did far, far better than us. Um, so this is a, <laughs> another site, FBL.guru. Uh, it's a, you know, another fantastic site with lots of data on. Now, I've chosen some of the data to show here um, with more focus on the captaincy because this is where Michael really did come into his own compared to us, um, certainly. Um, wow. Yeah, interesting to work out just in the top data here. This is our, our best um, our best game week rank. Your best game week rank, 3,233. Better as even Michael's. Michael's best game week rank of the season was 17,000. So he didn't have like crazy, amazing game weeks. Um but his worst game week rank was 3.9 million, whereas yours was 6.4, mine was 6.6. <laughs> what that shows is that perhaps... Out of few of them. Yeah, he, he either was more template than us or he didn't take any outlandish risks with effective ownership and therefore never suffered a terrible game week, whereas both you and I did. Um, and I think that's pretty fair. I think we know that we had a couple of game weeks where we did go. I mean, certainly the Fernandez captaincy, you got the Greenwood captaincy on really well played, but I didn't really go in mm. on the triple game week enough and I suffered heavily there. Um, so I, I do know that I've got to have, my worst game weeks need to be better, basically. I need to be getting the kind of stuff that Michael got. I, I know where this is leading and I don't want you to say it. I go but- what? Well, you're going to say, maybe I should use effective ownership to make sure that I don't have a really bad game No, week. I don't. I don't think that. I mean, I, no. I, need, to be, okay. I need to be wary of it, I think. <laughs> I, think it is, I think it's interesting. I mean, that's all tied into the, you know, the optimal way of playing. And there are people, um, and our managers who certainly play that way. Oh, you just said it. Yeah, I know. The optimal no. way of yeah. playing. Um, I don't want... You're trying to get a rise out of I me I don't tonight. want to play that way. But I do, I do think it's noteworthy that Michael's worst game week was 3.9 million. And that is a benchmark, I think, that when we're, when we're going into next season, trying to keep our bad game, our disastrous game weeks not as high as they were. I mean, coming 6.4 and 6.6 is 
Yeah, I know. That's miserable. If you if you finished with a with a with a rank inside the top million every week, you'd win it. Yeah, that's right. You only need to come in the top million every week to win it. That's right. Which is weird. Like trying to get that around your head is, is a mm. bit is a bit strange, but it is it is true. Yeah. Very difficult to do, of course. But um yeah. Yeah. I mean normally I do have yeah, you know, when you have a bad game week, it's sometimes a sign that, oh, your team's not template and it'll it'll get better because eventually that will pay off and you'll have a good game. And often that is the case. You have a bad I often have a really bad game week followed by a pretty good one. Um mm. but to have, you know, to be much more middling is perhaps the key. Um certainly Michael looks like he's <laughs> what a takeaway. Just be average. Well, no, be average be, and you'll win. Be average with your extremes. Like you don't need to come. Like he didn't you had a better game week score a free well, better game week single game week rank than he did so he didn't need to have a game have game weeks in the top 10k to win it so I'm just saying like the, the range I think of game weeks can be yeah. quite and should I, be quite narrow yeah I think I think that nicely ties into to there's there's some stuff I've been seeing on Twitter mm. Twitter lately which is and I think Michael Kuhn actually might have said it in his um you know he said about patience mm. and things and it's this idea of your team doesn't need to look amazing every week and I think that's that's definitely something I struggle with. Like sometimes I look at my team and I'll be like, "Oh no, one of my players is playing Liverpool away or Man City away or something. They're not getting any points." And that gets in my mind. And yeah. then I do a transfer and take them out or take another player out so I can bench them and all that kind of stuff. Whereas actually, saving that transfer, being more patient, having more knowledge of what's going to happen, can often help. So I think we all struggle with that a bit. Yeah. We all want our teams to look perfect every week, but it doesn't always need to. We do, don't we? Because we come on here and we talk about our game weeks, right? And we're very in the now. Yeah. When actually, and, and Luke has often said this, like FBL, unlike Sky, is all about that single game week score. And actually, that's not what matters. It's the season or... Mm. And, and yeah, yeah. we do get trapped well, in that. Yeah. A, a, well, a great example of that. Do you remember in like game week four or five, I ended up with Basuma actually mm. in my starting 11. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't want him there, but I, you know, I, I'd already made a transfer, I think, to take out like an injured player, Vinagra or, or someone. And I just didn't see any potential for minus four. And Basuma actually scored that week. Mm. So you could hit something and, and get lucky with it. If I'd done that transfer, take another minus four, I would have been about 15 points down. It'd probably be in this lessons learned as being one yeah. of my biggest mistakes of, of the year. Well, we'll get on to luck or variance, as we politely call it, and others politely call it, uh, later on. I just want to dwell on the cats, you know, the middle section of this this graphic here. So I got, you got blank, your captain blanked 36% of the time. My captain blank 36% of the time. Wow. Um, exactly the same. <laughs> which is crazy. crazy, isn't it? I mean, very different strategies, right? Because I think I, I definitely had more different captains than you did. It is. I mean, it's bizarre. And, it, you know, so you got 564 captain points. I got 578. The optimal points you could have got, the optimal points, that is captaining the, the highest point score in your team was 1029. Mine was 1032. Very little, isn't it? <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. So we were absolutely yeah. identical on the, the percentage blank and the percentage returns. I was ahead on halls. So in other words, when my captains did return, they returned a bit bigger than you. 36.8 compared to 31.6. But move across to Michael and Ooh. therein lies the difference. Only 23.7% of his captains <laughs> blanked. So he got returns from 76% of his captain calls. And the percentage of hauls is 39.5. So he scored more from his captain more regularly. And when he did score, he scored bigger than both of us. Yeah, but he got, 100, he got nearly 100 points more than you did. I mean, you finished yeah. 2K. 
And he got nearly 100 points yeah. more on his... What was the difference between you both? Uh, I'm not sure. Over 100? Over 100, 100? It was over 100, yeah, yeah. It's about 140, over 100. 150 or something like that. Okay. It's quite big, but so, no doubt. It's amazing though, isn't it? Yeah. He, he played his captaincies brilliantly. There was no question about that. So we looked oh, at his... It's just so, so hard for captaincy yeah. to get right. Well, we looked at his transfers, and I don't think the secret lay with his transfers. Part of the secret was his bench boost, but a significant part of his success was mm. his captaincies. And he actually yeah. come... He wrote an article, which I haven't read yet, where he said, don't take risks with the captaincy. And so I'm going to look at his captaincy pattern. I'm going to do what I did with Savert and really analyse it and see what we can learn. Well, that's basically what Savert said last year, right? Because mm. he was all about captaining big name players against the, the bottom, bottom ranked teams. Yeah, well, that's where the third graphic here shows the most popular fixtures. That I can't we believe used. this. These were the most popular fixtures we <laughs> chose for the captaincy. We both went with Sheffield United, home to Sheffield United the most. And you blanked every single time. So you back you backed your captain <laughs> against four times against Sheffield United in a home match. And you never got a single return out of them. How how is that possible? And I got I did it five times and got one return. That's ridiculous. It is, isn't it? Because the narrative was Sheffield United at home was an easier fixture, but actually perhaps we missed something here. Like away from home, under Wilder in the early period, they perhaps were tighter than we thought. And they never got beaten heavily, to be fair, did we? There was that no. thing. So we were no, clearly were... wrong on that. Yeah, and then look down to like Leeds, mm. where I, I backed to play, play against Leeds three times and, and got 100% of that. Got returns right. every time. Like Leeds, Leeds were obviously a, undoubtedly a better team than Sheffield United this year, mm. but they were more likely to be opened up heavily and you know we saw it like against United when they conceded quite a few goals mm. it's only towards the end of the season when they did massively tighten up and, and start you know winning winning to nil but quite early in the season they, there was a few games when they they were conceding quite a lot but yeah Sheffield United even though they're probably one of the worst teams that's ever been in the Premier League this year they never got trounced did they? No I mean to be fair Michael backed or I can't remember them getting trounced often No Michael backed well at the end of the season they did but not early on Michael backed against Sheffield United three times, but he got returns only one of those three times. Typical, so, you know, he, he didn't go in as heavily as us. He, his most popular fixture was West Brom at home, and he got returns three out of the four. He went Leeds at home, got returns all three times. Um, Brighton got returns two out of three times. So not quite a lot of variety. So I will look at Michael's breakdown per team. I'm going to go into it. It's not anything he can hide from me. While his date is on there, I'm going to mine it to the full and find out what he did with the captaincy. What, what is this site? It can't be fpl.guru. It is. It is. That's the URL. fpl.guru? Yeah. That's the... Uh, I believe so. I'll just check it now. Um, it is a weird... Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, sorry. No, yeah. you're right. Yeah, yeah. .guru. And do you know what? Yeah, so it's two here nice in the, in the chat. It's, but yeah, no, it's, it's, F, just type in fpl.guru. You know up. who created it? Uh, no. The guy who created the websites for Champman Fantasy and Gaffer. No way. Yeah. He messaged me and, um, and um, gave me the link and I quickly got in there today and used it. I haven't replied to his DM yet, but thanks very much for the, for the link. And I've gone in and, and used some of your data and plugged it because it is a very useful site, another one. It is. It's really cool. Yeah. Really cool. I mean, I, I never would have thought that. I mean, I remember, I'm pretty sure I captained Fernandez at home to Sheffield United. And that was the week when I think, um, maybe it was away, I can't remember which mm. one, but there was a week when like Salah blanked, Kane blanked, and the final game was, was that United game. 
And I was like, oh, Bruno, this is it. This is going to be my my redemption. He's playing, you know, bottom of the league in great form. Blanks. Mm. Yeah, so I remember that because <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't have Bruno. So I was very, very happy with that outcome. So, so, so far we're seeing, yeah, Michael's use of the bench boost and his captaincy incredibly strong on both counts. Um, so that's, that's certainly something to me. So more on the captaincy then. And this is a bit depressing as well. Sorry, as. So this is our captains <laughs> each week compared to the top 10K's top pick. So this is the most favoured option in the top 10K. So whoever won, whoever got the most captaincies, it's that player's score against the, our choice. And you got 278 over the season. Oh, that is depressing. I got 285. Had we just gone with the most popular captain in the top 10K, we'd have got 300. So effectively, <laughs> we should have just gone with the template captain and we'd have done better. Comments on that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's big, isn't it? It's, it's a big finding because I think, you know, Luke, Luke is, is, is a big advocate of, of going a bit different and mm. we've talked about rolling the dice a bit with the captains and all that kind of stuff. Um, Luke's kind of argument would be that actually the... There has there has been a better player, I think, pretty much every week yeah. than the top ten k ones, but reliability wise, they tend to get something. Yeah. Well, this is the next table. I know, I knew you'd say that. So what this shows <laughs> is the the captains in the top ten k, and it looks at all of the captains in that given game week that they went for, and then picks out the most successful of those, and the. Cells in yellow are when a player other than the top two picks comes in top. So it's when a choice lower down the selection in the top 10K got the highest score. But what's interesting is look at the the first 16 game week. Luke's theory that there are often better options outside the obvious picks to go for certainly does ring true because there was only three game weeks in the first 16 where the top 10K's first two choices came in as the best. But then look at, look at the end of the season. Look at 30 mm. to 38. In those nine game weeks there, only three times was that the case. Lingard in 31, Bale in 34, and Willock in 37. And let's face it, Bale and Willock are quite extreme. You were never going to pick those out. Maybe Bale, as Luke did. But... Towards the end of the season then, almost from game week 22 onwards, the top two picks in the top 10K got a lot better, actually came in more often than they did at the start of the season. Mm. And that that's quite interesting. I don't know why that was. Maybe because the top 10K was settled in the template and the template was very strong and there perhaps wasn't much movement in the better top 10K. Better managers maybe, be- yeah. making better picks. Yeah, absolutely. In the early start of the season... Top 10K is much more volatile, people moving in and out. The template's not as settled, perhaps, whereas later on. So I think there's we can put more stock in the latter half of the season because, like you say, towards the end of the season, the top 10K becomes more settled. It's it's more the, the kind of managers who are having the best seasons then, whereas early on the top 10K, people moving in and out a lot. So is it better to take a punt in the early stage yeah, of the season? Yeah, possibly. But I don't think there's any dispute that you can put a lot of stock with just going with the top 10K's first or second pick, sadly. Yeah. 
I mean, that, that doesn't mean though, I mean, every, you know, you only have to look at the top scoring players for the week and they're often not the highest owned, most captain players. You know, you can still hit it like, well, like I did with Trossard in that week. Yeah, 29. But yeah, it's, you see data like this and you think, oh, it, it does make me want to be a boring save. Absolutely. Because the, the captain's so hard. It's such a difficult thing to get right. It's, it's the, you know, it's the most stressful thing I find about FPL in general, I think, is, is trying to get... Because mm. every, every week you're just waiting for your captain to do something. As If they get something, you're kind of happy. But sitting there waiting every week just for some kind of assist or dodgy cross or court or whatever, it's... Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. It is. And, and when you look at the, the shaded cells in the latter part of the season as well, starting in game week 26, the highest percentage of captaincy is 6%. Son in 26, Kane in 27. After that, the players that came in have got either 1, 2 or 0% captaincy in the top 10K. So they're really obscure picks, massively obscure, including Trossard in 29, mm. Bale in 34 and Willock in 37. So in other words, they're really hard to hit, I would have said. Um, so trying to deliberately go with a strategy where you avoid the most obvious two picks for captaincy looks to be looks to be a concerning strategy to adopt, in my opinion. You not agree? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I well I you know, it's, it's hard to argue because mm. this is actual evidence, right? Um it just depends how like how you want to play. Like it would it would be a very, very boring game if everyone just adopted the strategy of let's captain the highest owned you know, players every week and everyone just does the same thing. It's, you know, it's still part of the reason why I enjoy this game so much. And the, the captaincy particularly lets you, lets you roll the dice a bit more. And I mean, you know, realistically, you know, 276 points for me, 300 if I'd gone boring every week. It's 24 points. And I know there's going to be high risk, high reward going with that strategy, but that isn't, that isn't ridiculous. Like, that isn't like, oh my God, I need to completely change my strategy. It's 100 points, 150 points. It's 20 points. And that mm. could easily be the other way round if, if a few more of those come off. So I don't think it's going to completely change how I play. I still like to try and hit a well-timed captain. You know, if I'm not feeling that, uh, that a, a premium pick is going to deliver, then I still want to use that as a way to try and get yeah. ahead and use the stats, the knowledge, all this stuff. Oh. Um, it's just, yeah, it's when you, when you look at like that, the consistency that like Salah's had, Kane's had, Fernandez has had all year, you're not just backing against your player to deliver. You've got to back against that player delivering as well. And that's the key. That's the key thing. Cause yeah. often they just get something out of nothing and your player needs to have a amazing game to do it. But here's, so. here's perhaps the alternative strategy. Don't go extreme with it. But you know, the fact that I did well for Mane in the final game week, he was the second highest pick for captaincy but because Salah was so far in front that was effective for me so I went with a decent player who was actually the second most popular pick in the top 10k mm. but he's own, the only 3% of the top 10k went with him so when it came in it was really effective for me and for Michael so perhaps the strategy is in game weeks where there is an overriding favourite but actually the second pick is a very strong player I mean there's other examples of this if you look at Let's go to, you know, Kane in, in game week 18 um, was the second highest captain rank, but he only had 30% of, of the ownership in the top 10K. So 
good players who aren't perhaps the most popular pick, but second and third, I think is the way to go. So I don't think you can yeah. always try to find the Willocks, the Trossards and the Bales necessarily, but you can always look at the second and third options yeah. and go with them in weeks where there is an overwhelming favourite, just as I did with Manning. Absolutely. And often those can be, you know, if you've got three premiums in your team anyway, it's not like you're you're going for Trossard over Kane. You're going for Salah over Kane. Mm. Or you're going for Mane over Salah in your example. Yeah. You know, it's it's a it's, it's a bit different, isn't it? So you know I like that. Yeah, I mean I, that's, I think that's, that's, that's a good way of good way of looking at it. I think it. that's what I'm gonna take into next season is look for those opportunities ahead of time and go exactly as I did, because I knew Salah would be the overriding captaincy. So I went with Mane as a push because I partly because I didn't do the Antonio thing before, but I think I think it's it's certainly something to take for that. Again, we'll look at more of that in the uh, in the post in the preseason. All right, back to FBLOptimized.com. Nice. Uh, another and this is a sensational site again. Um, I really recommend using it. It's got some amazing. I mean, I could have taken so much from this site, but I've chosen three or four things. This is showing our gain analysis. So, in other words, these are our biggest gains versus the top ten k over the season. So the players that really made a difference to us when we went with them and got us perhaps the biggest rank gain, in other words, um, certainly against the top 10K managers. Um, yours was Greenwood in game week 35, 29.61 effect. Uh, then, I'm really happy to see him on that. Yeah, and then Trossard again, you mentioned it, game week 29, you took that risk and you captained him and it was your second highest gain. Werner's down there, game week five. Was that, Do you remember that? Was that the captaincy at home to who was it against? I, I Burnley. Don't think I, I want to say Burnley. Him. No, it was it was High Line, Mark. Southampton. Yes, Southampton High Line. Bashed all about it for weeks, yeah. and it came in because that was that was my wildcard week, right? And I took him out, and then wildcarded, and then put him back in to back myself on on the High Line. Yeah, classic. So again, <laughs> this is useful because we can look back at this ahead of next season and go, right, okay, what were our best gains and what were the conditions around those gains? So mine is like, look at mine, mine's Grealish, right? Game week four, which the conditions around that game was pure fortune that I didn't have a transfer to get him out for Barnes because that's what I was <laughs> going to do. I used it on Calvert-Lewin. I know, yeah. that's outrageous. When it came in. The next one is Mane. I could take a bit more credit for that one. That was played for, game week 38. Then Rafina. At Newcastle, I think that was, game week 25, where he got his only double-figure return. And I was early on Mathena. And Alexander-Arnold, game week 20. So these, yeah, it's really interesting. Go down the list, have a look at those particular game weeks and the conditions that surrounded those decisions. And then try and Well, this is that. a lovely list. Because mm. this is, these are, these are the heroes, right? Yeah, I'm about to get to the villains in a minute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, let's just stay on this. It's, yeah, it's nice to see a list of positive, players. Yeah. Because I've got memories, right? Memories of these mm. players. Like Rashford in game week 25 was massive for me because I bought him in for Son, I think. And he played Newcastle at home, got got two goals um, in that. Uh, there's, there's Basuma, game week yeah, four. Look, Pereira's where, where, in where, there. Pereira's in there, game week Pereira, two. Pereira, game week two. That was so, that was so sweet. That was I've Everton, him, I've been bigging him up. Yeah, Everton. I've been bigging him up all pre-season. Uh, I wish I'd got him in towards the end. I, I'd... I knew he I knew he was going to be good, but I didn't expect the run that he'd go on towards the end of the season. He was getting points every week. I, he he deserves a sign for a a good Premier League mm. side. I'm excited to know where he goes. But essentially, this um, is basically a highlight reel of your season, isn't it? The, this list. I love it. Mm. I love it. See, Etch is there. I had him. I got him in for one week. He delivered straight away, and they did absolutely nothing. 
uh, yeah, this is really cool. Okay, well, lot. don't want you feeling happy about that too long. Let's look at the big losses. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so for you, um, the net effect loss was um, Fernandez in Game Week 35, that although you went green with that week, you kind of balanced yeah, that out without right. going Fernandez. Yeah. And it's the same for me as well. So there's no increase required for that. We know exactly what happened there. We both knew that was a big risk. And lo and behold, it was the one that did most damage to us relative to the top 10K. Um, then my second one is Kane. Your, well, your second one is De Bruyne in game week 11. And that's the, that's the point I got him in and you didn't. Remember that? And I captained him and you didn't even have him. Remember it? And that was the point oh, where we it. were both neck and neck and then we both went whoop. And you went one way, I went the oh, other. Oh, well, it was, it, was, it was the beginning of the end yeah. for me, that was. I mean, you know, I, I just didn't, I didn't think De Bruyne looked quite right. And I didn't think he was going to do as well as he had done in previous years. And I was right. Another thing that I was kind of right about, but he just did enough damage to me in like a couple of weeks and then did barely anything after that just to make it really hurt. And it's, it, that was the week when I, I got in Mares and Vardy. Mm. I, went for, I, I backed Mahrez and Vardy over De Bruyne and, and whoever else it was and they just did nothing. And, and De Bruyne, who was like, he was, what was it only, was it only 123%? God, it felt like about 300%. It felt like everyone had him and captained him, draw captained him, whatever, in that week. That was, oh, that was really, oh, I don't like this list. Yeah, well, there it is. I mean, like, effective ownership of De Bruyne that game week was 123.6. Kane game oh, week really five for that. me. Not sure with that, but he got 16 points. I mean, I still didn't get on him. 123.4 ownership there. The Stones one's in there for us both. Look, I mean, oh, Stones Hall of 27 Stones. points. I mean, absolutely murdered us. Oh, I still, I still can't believe that. Mm. I can't. And, and like, so this is the problem with Twitter, isn't it? Like something like that happens, and just everyone and their dogs got him like in their team. Look at me, I bought in Stones this week. He got 27 yeah. points. Up. Why have you got John Stones? I mean, at the time, I mean, well at the time I'd wrote that off as, oh, well, yeah, not many people have got him. I didn't, it didn't really register with me how much damage that done, but it's done, it did. It was 55% high. Like, that's high yeah. for, a, for a defender. Um, like that, he was, yeah. and you had Diaz as well, didn't you? But Diaz did well that, that week because he, he got the assist, didn't he? And, and two he did a white. He did a white, yeah. He got about 15 points, mm. I think, 15, 16 points. I didn't have any any of them I, I just had Cancelo but yeah Stones and Diaz was oh that's it Diaz assisted Stones didn't yeah. he because Diaz shot and then Stones started him so again I, I'll, I'll go into this a bit more in the pre-season but very very useful kind of launch pad for more kind of analysis and quite interesting to look at now it gets even more interesting this site because what you can look at is risk analysis now this is really interesting because I mean, I'll try and simplify this, but this is effectively um, the, well, the effectiveness of your risks. And the line you're looking at there is a zero line and you want to get as many dots over that line as possible because that is... This is, this is players, not captain. Yeah, this is players, yeah. This is, this is decisions that you've made. So this is decisions with transfers or decisions with captaincies. And it's game weeks where you have suffered significant... Well, it's, it's basically <laughs> your relative gain or your relative loss compared to the top 10K. Um, and then along the bottom, the, the axis is showing the differential risk. So that is how risky that decision was. So you can see that we've both made around just above 60% in terms of our, our riskiest decisions aren't massively risky. They're around 60% in terms of this site's assessment of what's a risk, right? But the interesting thing is I've got quite a few more 
of my risks appear above the zero line than you. And a lot of mine hover around the zero line. So effectively then, when Mm. I took a risk, I got more points from them or they did fewer damage to me. Whereas your risks did a lot of damage to you from looking at this. Yep. Cheers for that. Yeah. Were you you aware of that? (laughs) Next slide. (laughs) (laughs) Well, right at the top, right at the top is actually the Trossard ones. Um, And I think it's Greenwood and Trossard, the two at the top. I had a look. Um, whereas mine is well, I mean, it's, 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 it's interesting, but at the same time, not surprising because yeah. you did a lot better than me. So the players you brought in did better yeah. than the players that I had. Yeah. In. So like, it's not, it's not rocket no, science but sometimes, think it, but it maybe is about, it's interesting that we didn't take huge risks, but mine, yeah, mine just mine came in. Be, yeah. I thought, I thought, I, I thought I, I, I thought I would have taken more higher risks. Not necessarily that they came off, but but yeah, I mean, um, two hints says in the chat, as needs to work on his gut feeling. It's probably well, quite good advice. <laughs> let's look at Michael though, because this is where it gets really interesting. In that Michael took a good few risks and some of them much more than us, you know, into the 70%, high 60s. Mm. So he actually took more risks than us, according to the optimized site and that perception of what a risk is. Look how many he got above the zero line, far more than both of us. So his risks came in more often and he took more risks. And the damage that his risks inflicted was lower than ours. Like he didn't lose the relative change below 15%. Whereas if you go back to ours, some of your risks were like into the mid 30s. They did significant damage to your rank and mine were 20, minus 25. So again, when he took risks, not only did they come in more often, but when they didn't come in, they didn't do as significant damage. As but that, that's, that's the thing that Luke and I have been trying to go on about for, for months, yep. is that like we both believe if you're going to win it. I mean, you know, uh, the argument is you can win it if you play ultra safe and preserve an optimal strategy in all of this. But that rarely happens. Like the person who wins it just... You know, I, I don't. I don't want to say it's all luck because it, it's not luck. It, it's still Michael making the right decisions, but there is an element of luck in it. No, no there, is. That is, there is. That is the game, right? So you know, if if the players I'd bought in had, had done well, I'd be up there at the, at the top, and 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 you know, and Michael might not be. It's you know, to to reach those those heights, like the top hundred. I still think if if I was if I if all I cared about was trying to get that top hundred, I didn't care where I finished. 100,000, 500,000, a million, whatever, I would probably be playing like this. Yeah, I mean... But he, keep, keep trying to hit holes. He took more risks than us. Now, I... Exactly, yeah. that's, my, that's what he, I mean. That's, 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 the way, that's the way to win it, but I he, think, he to get into, into that I don't think he was reckless, necessarily. And we, I mean, I haven't gone into all the decisions that he made around this, and I will do, but I haven't done it for this show. But then you get, you know, then we go on to the, the FB... Oh, no, that's the wrong slide. Let's go back. I need to launch that. Let's go back. I'm going to have to do that the old way. I knew I, I knew the starting I, soon. I knew I should have checked it. Uh, right, let me just find <laughs> the. This is what I was looking for. I obviously set Stream Deck up wrong. This is FBLReview.com, and and this is a fantastic site. This is effectively what FBL Review is. Is like Rate My Team. It's a it's a model which does similar to Rate My Team. It came after Rate My Team, and I actually spoke to John who created this site this week because I wanted him wow. to help explain these charts that we see in front of us now, which are radar charts of as 
myself and, and Michael. And so what FBO Review does, it, it has a statistical model which gives you expected value, or you could say expected points. They call it expected value of every player for every game week, and you can use it to analyse your team and you can get it to recommend transfers and you can look at who it feels is highest ranked for EV, expected value for that week, and you can use that to guide your transfers. And what these diagrams show is how our teams performed next to the model in terms of how tightly they followed the model, how they performed for XG data and FBL points. There is a column uh, section called luck and there is a section called risk taker as well, right? So I just ought to explain as well, and this, you know, this does take a lot of getting your head around because I had to have a, a, an hour session with John to explain some of this. This is relative to what he calls the Elite 1000. The Elite 1000 is a batch of FPL managers that he's collected uh, who have got, obviously, lots of good seasons behind them. So he... he you in there. I believe I am, but didn't like to say. But yeah, um, so <laughs> there are a thousand managers that he has sampled and he uses that sample as what he considers to be the benchmark, right? And then this compares us to that. And if you're 0-7, if you're 0-7, you're hitting the average, I think. You're hitting the average of the, the elite for the season. If you're above 0-7, you're going above the average. So for all these values, 0-7 is the, is the bite point, the crucial point, if you like. Now, if you look at your chart, in terms of how you followed the model, you're just over 0.7. So you're quite tight to the model, but not. there's quite a lot of white there. You're 0.7, so you're quite typical of the elite and how tightly they followed his model. If you look, and not very lucky. Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. I know. I know you're keen, I know you're keen to talk about that one. Um, for XG data, so this is how common it was that the players that you brought in registered high XG. You're about average with the... Elite managers, right? 0.7. And for FBL points, you're just below. You're, you're below the average. I think the average rank in these elite managers was 60K, which is interesting in itself because I spoke to John and said, so do you, wow. do you think 60K is the new top 10K? And he said, yeah, very much so. So that's interesting in that, you know, we all talk about, well, where, what's the minimum we want to aim for as, as someone who's played the game a lot? And you all, we all go top 10K, don't we? We like to. But actually, he feels that looking at the elite managers that he's collected, the, mm. I, I have to be careful saying elite. This is John's terminology, not mine, right? For oh, anyone yeah, gets yeah. on at me for calling them elite. Um, so that group of managers, 60K was the average rank, right? So 60K is perhaps what we should be going for as a first target. That's really interesting Yeah, it is, well. it is, yeah. So you were just under that, obviously. Then we get to the luck slice, right? And the, the, the luck slice, he really wanted to call it variant and he's thinking about naming this. This is when... The decisions you've done, which are seen as risks, when they come in, right? How often does your riskier differential decisions come in? And then you, so you look at it in conjunction with the risk taker slice. So as a risk taker, you are under the average for the for this elite group of managers. So you take fewer risks than the average. Really? Yeah. According to this, yeah. Okay. But. Also, your risk just didn't come in. So when you went for a differential captain, when you went for a, a player that the model didn't suggest, when you went for like a player that was quite way down on the model, it didn't come in for you. Hence, that's why your luck is at 
0.03. So it's lower. Yeah, it sounds about your right. Level, your level of benefiting from variance was lower than the elite, the average elite manager. And you took lower risk. Um, and you were behind the yeah. template as well. How you depressing. Really template. <laughs> yeah, so you were, you were unfortunate because ver- the, the, the variance didn't go in your favour. When you look at my chart, that, that, go, on, go ahead. But, that, but just, just, sorry, mm. just quick, I was going to say, but that doesn't take into account, like, let's assume that all of the differential players that I took in, that I bought in yeah. were good picks, yeah. right? But they might not have been, like I might have bought in like Kante, right? Yeah. And captained him. That's not luck though, is it? That's, that would just be a, a bad decision yeah, if it didn't no, sure. come off. I, mean, but I, I guess it doesn't, it, but it doesn't take that into account. I'm, I'm not no, being... No, I, I don't know exactly how... I don't know to what degree John looks at this. He told me some of the decisions you look at. He looks at transfers. He looks at your your captain. He looks at your triple captain. He looks at how often you went against what the model would suggest. And that then gives you your level of risk. And also the luck is then the measure of how effective that risk was. And Why am I arguing this? No, I'm really unlucky. No, exactly, exactly. No, this, so when you look at yeah. me, my level of risk is also below the average elite and almost identical to you. But the returns I got when I took a risk were far greater. So variance was much more on my side than it was yours, mm-hmm. according to the FBO review. But the argument would be that you you made better picks. When you yeah. went against the grain, yeah. you made better better selections. Okay, I mean, yeah, that, it can't then, show us that. But then I'm, I'm, not, I'm not completely convinced that is true. So I think there is... I mean, we, you know, we've, we, we've talked about our transfers every week. Yeah. It's not like I've ever done something and you've gone, that's absolutely insane. Why on earth would you do that? There's always been a reason or a logic or, you know, some mad thing I've got in my head that, that makes me want to do it. And it's, you know, we chat about them and, and stuff. It's so, yeah, kind of what this is saying is that we both... We both tend to go against the grain the same amount, but mm. when we do, you've just smashed it this season and I've not yeah, at all. to a degree. But yeah, it's interesting that compared to Michael, who's the chart below, we take fewer risks than him, right? Which is what the FTBL, mm. FPL optimized chart, scatter chart showed. He took more risks than us. Also, he, his risk delivered emphatically far more than the average in the elite managers. So when he did take a risk, he nailed it more often than the elite. I mean, I was just above average. I was at 0.8. He was on one. So he was doing incredibly well. And he, he's, of course, on one for XG data and FBL points as well. So he was fantastic at picking out players that had IXG data. Um, interestingly, interesting. he is less in line with the model and the template than both of us. So we are tighter to the template. So we... Our teams were closer to the rest of the elite group that John built and tighter to the model than Michael. Michael actually had more difference between him and the other elite managers and the model itself. He went against the model a bit less often than we did. So we're actually quite template and we don't take that many risks. And the difference between me and you was my risk came in and yours didn't. Yeah. Um, well, I'm I'm not I'm not so surprised at that because that's because I'm lucky. That's kind of, right? <laughs> that's kind of the nature. Yeah, you've, you always have been. <laughs> uh, but it's it, I would I'm surprised that we're both so low on this risk taker thing mm. compared to the top well, thousand because yeah. I thought you and I were quite maverick in a way. But 
Yeah, but I think, don't forget, Late Riser's in that group and he skewed it massively this season because well, he took yeah, loads true. of risks. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, if you look at Late Riser's risk taker for this season, it's massively high, right? Um, so there are bigger risk takers in that elite group than us. Definitely. Yeah. Because um, well, yeah. um, Ola um, has been mentioned in the chat because mm. obviously people aren't talking about him because he didn't win it and it's mm. nasty because of how long he was yeah, in it for. But he fantastic. was... He was the definition of like risky things coming off. Like every week he'd do some mad thing and, mm. and it would, it would pay off. And yeah, this is all Luke and I have, Luke will love this because this is all Luke and I have been going on about for, for ages is, is, is this kind of luck's a funny word for it. Cause a lot of the time it's not just luck. It's, you know, luck isn't like going for Kante and him getting a double digit return. No, being no, like, no. Oh, I just no. auto picked. It's, it's still calculated. It's still, there's, there's, it's like it's the, it, the Manet thing, right? I took a conscious decision to not go for the most yeah. popular captain and it came in for me. That is variance. Like, yeah. On another day, that yeah, might yeah. not have happened, right? But the fact is, when you make a decision against the grain and it comes in, to win it, you've probably yeah. got to get that a good few times, which Michael did, right? And, it's, and yeah, going for Manet, I'm not saying that's a lucky pick. It was a calculated risk. Michael mm. was obviously very good at doing that this season. Because this this is this is where it's interesting. Like, say you've got say you've got one person playing like the optimal strategy, mm. right? The optimum strategy, and then he's playing like me, and I'm playing this way. Okay, so you know, obviously a lot more variance in in the picks that I do. You'd back the optimal strategy person against me. Mm. I'm I'm fine with that. You added me and you playing the optimal strategy. You added another three people, another four people, another five people, another million people. You know, suddenly that person playing the optimal strategy isn't going to back themselves as hard against that many people than they would against one or two people. And that's, that's, that's the only point we made is that the optimal strategy only works to a point because all these other people playing different ways, one of them could hit yeah. and the, the really and top levels. You. And it could be you. If no, you I totally agree with that. And with 8 million players, no matter how well you're playing in terms of what the model suggests, you could be playing it absolutely perfectly. Yeah there's likely there's going to be someone who's so lucky they're going to beat you anyway. Because yeah. every time they make a call, it comes in. And, it, and I only yeah. looked at the top three managers, top three or four, and they all had this luck portion to the highest point, right? So they, in other words, when they do take risks, they come in. That's been typical. And I will look deeper into it, but John was of the agreement, yeah, there's no doubt that you've got to have that foundation of following the template to some extent, which Michael does show here. You know, he's quite tightly following the model, as tightly, not quite as tightly as me. It's about the same as you. But he takes more risks and, and his risks came in. And and you can say that's luck or variance, call it what you like, but you do need that to happen, right? When you take mm. a risk, it's got to come in for you to win it, I think. It's just how many of those do you take, though? Like, Michael is still below the average for the elite. So he's not taking crazy risks. Whereas what, what I think what got misconstrued when you came out and said what you said and what Luke said in the, in the community was you need to be doing that all the time. Well, you don't because Michael's yeah, yeah. showing that. Right? Yeah. He's, he's taken risks, but at the right time and to the right level and they've come off. So what I'm taking from this is perhaps I need to just nudge up the risks a little bit, but in order to do really well, they've got to come in. I mean, it's that range, though, of mm. how, how lucky do you need to be? How, how much does that variance need to come in? Um, and I, I heartily recommend fblview.com and looking at this because it is fascinating. Just put a few other managers in and have a look at them. I'm sure if you put the top 10 in, they'll all have that luck portion high. 
But it'd be fascinating to see how many of them are similar to Michael in terms of the level of risk he took. He was absolutely spot on with the level of risk. And I think if you push it too far, you're not going to, you know, it's not going to work. There's a sweet spot, isn't there? Um, But it's just, it's amazing having sites like this out there and optimised as well, who really go into the science of it and really enable us to see the nature of someone who won it and what they, how they acted and what came in for them. It's, it's fascinating. And, you know, a few seasons back, we didn't have any of this. So I urge use these tools and, Game mm. We're going to use them a lot more, I think, over the seasons and certainly pre-season as well. Right. Um, I think that's it then for the naval gazing. Um, I just want to look at some players <laughs> now. Um, this is our player table that we've been running all season. Um, this is the one for minutes per uh, expected goal involvement on penalties on there. It's what it's ranked by. Um, the players have done really well for this. The top player, Martinelli, is there because he's played few minutes perhaps but it's certainly a name Johan Bash yeah oh, Johan Bash is there falling down. I mean of, of the top players it's interesting that Bale is second and I think you know we don't know what's going to happen to him but it's pretty clear that if he does stay in the Premier League he won't be he no, would be amazed he's gone isn't he somewhere but US China, or China yeah Martin Anilo is a player to watch definitely based on the brief appearances that we've seen this season Going down the table, interesting that Salah, Mane and Yotta are all almost identical. I mean, just look how closely packed they are for minutes per XGI non-penalty. Um, Cavani in there, if we could be sure he gets loads of minutes next season, but of course the Kane transfer could change everything, so we just don't know what's going to happen there, do we? So it's, it's perhaps futile to talk too much detail about that. Another thing I picked out here is Chelsea strikers, Giroud, Abraham and Werner, they're all in this table. And that kind of indicates that if Chelsea can have a settled striker, they've got to be worth a look. Mm. But we just don't know who that's going to be. I mean, I, I'm thinking Abraham's going to leave. Do you agree with that? He's going to go, surely. Yeah, well, I'm hoping he comes to Brighton. Mm. I thought I thought we might have a chance of Tony if they didn't get promoted, but he'll obviously stay at Brentford now. I think Abraham I think Abraham at Brighton would be a really good fit. Yeah. Yeah, because I was thinking what his likely destination would be if he did leave. Villa would be one. I think it's a mid a mid prem team. Yeah, and I think that's that's kind of where Brian to see themselves. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, tenth, eleventh. He's got that connection to Villa because he was on loan there, but they're not going to look for. I mean, they they need some competition for Watkins, so. but they're not going to splash. He, wherever course, he goes, it'll cost it'll cost around thirty, 30 million, yeah. it, I and, and he'll want starts, assured starts, right? And Brighton's a good place for him. I think that's a good shout. So if he goes, I think we've got to look at him. Certainly, West Ham maybe. So yeah, they've kind of only well they've got rid of Halle, didn't they? They've only really got Antonio. Yeah, and they've got European football. So yeah, I think that's I think that's a good shout as well. Yeah, could be West Ham, but I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping Brian can can make it quite an attractive option. Well, they've got to get um, a striker. It'd be, it'd, it'd, it'd be it'd be a great fit. It'd be a great fit, at Brian. Yeah, I rate him. I think he's I think he's a great player. Yeah, I think he is. He's a penalty box player, isn't he? He doesn't offer you much outside of that. He's a bit like Calvert-Lewin in that respect, in that he stays in the wit for the penalty area and he does his business there. He doesn't run channels as such. But I think that's what Brighton needs. They don't need, you know, creativity and approach play. They've got that in no. plenty of that. It's just the finishing product. We need a Glenn Murray. A Glenn Murray just to stand in the penalty area and just knock him in. Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay, let's look at um, keepers first of all. These are the top 10 keepers by points. Simple as that. Um, just some lead up for next season. I mean, Martinez is going to go up in value, probably going to be 5-5, five, five, right, at the start of the season. 5-5, um, five, five, you think? I think he could that be. High? Yeah. Do you not see that? 
Yeah, I guess so. It'd be a shame though. Yeah, it would be. Would be, but... It'd be a shame for any any keeper like that to be five five because it, it just no one's going to go there. I don't think or. A lot of casuals will, but I definitely. Well, he's going to be five. five, five. I think he could well be five five though. Five would be interesting. But Smi- five five would would be too if much. If you look at Casper Michael, he was five five this season. Yeah, and it was and it was too much. <laughs> it was, yeah, yeah. But you know, mm. Martinez has just missed out on being the highest scoring FBL keeper of all time. He'll be one on my point. Wall. So you got to think he's going to be the one. Yeah, he's going to be the one this season. He's going to be the one. Yeah, I decided yeah. he was so good. So players I would pick out here in regards to next season that are of interest to me, Melier, I think, because I think it's interesting that Leeds tightened up in the second half of the season and it's going to be worth watching whether that continues early on next season, which could be bad news if you're looking at the attackers, but good news if you're looking in defence. And we're not going to have Dallas. Dallas will be a midfielder only, right? So I think Melier is going to yeah. be a popular pick. What do you think about Sanchez? I mean, the Brighton keeper... Next season, I mean, Sanchez is down low for minutes per points, but he's only down low for points because he didn't play the first half of the season. And Brighton were exceptional once he mm. got in the team. What do you think about Brighton's keeper, whoever that may be, next season? If if he's if he's first choice in the four point five, he's straight. He's first name on my on my list, I think. Because I, you know, we've we've seen from all the defensive stats we've done over last season the potential Brighton have got to keep it tight, keep clean sheets. I mean, I had Ryan at the start of the season for that reason. I thought we would actually be quite a decent defensive side. And he was a large reason why we weren't mm. for long periods. He's, he was just terrible before he, he ended up going off on loan. So I don't really know what the, what's going to happen at, at Brighton. I think Sanchez has done enough to, you know, kind of be first choice there. So I can't see his price going up to five. Well, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because if you look into you the defensive data, you would put it up. Well, I don't know if they will. I think they'll just go, well, Brighton, Brighton keeper, Brighton are probably going to be in the lower half of the table, we'll go four or five. I hope so. I mean, they can't make everyone, they can't make no, everyone five, no. right? Or 5.5. So there wasn't that, this, I think this year particularly was the first real season when there was very few goalkeepers at, at 4.5. There was, the, there was the promoted goalkeepers and then I, there's some, correct me if I'm wrong, there was McCarthy and, and, and Forster, Ryan. yeah. Yeah. Mm. And that was kind of it, right? Mm, there weren't there was many, no, because no. you know, the, uh, Martinez was as well, of course, at, at four point five. But no one was really sure whether he was going to um, play instead of Leno, and there was kind of all that all that going on. So, you know, if they if they make everyone five except for the promoted keepers, I'd probably just end up going for a promoted keeper for four point five. Well, I, 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 I think Melier could be. I don't know if Melier is going to stay four or five low. Melier and Sanchez are the two that leap out at me. If they're if they're four or five, that's a no brainer. I don't think they will be low. I just see them maybe getting I mean, pushed. Brighton, up to Brighton have finished like fourth from bottom or fifth from bottom. I know, but we know full well that defensively they've been. Yeah, very but we strong. we know, but do FPL Towers? Or well, you're going to? I'm going to <laughs> make him a five. I don't want to because I want him in my team. So don't, don't let as get him. Make him, a five. <laughs> make him four or five for me, but for everybody else, make him five. That's not going to work, is it? Um, and going back to the Martinez one, you don't think he'd be five five? Patricio was five five. I mean, Patricio's five five. Yeah, but he was over. This is the thing. He was overpriced. This this is the problem. They they can make goalkeepers five five. They, they can do whatever they want. But if you make Patricio Schmeichel. These guys, the only, the only, pla- the only goalkeepers that should be five point five or more, I think, are like the top six goalkeepers. Which, to be fair, I guess does include Leicester now. Mm. But I, I would never pay five five for for Schmeichel. Yeah. 
So surely you have to make it a little, because otherwise everyone's just going to have the same three goalkeepers. It's going to be really yeah, boring. Everyone's going to go, no, no one does. At least if you bring the, it, I think five is an interesting price for a lot of goalkeepers because five is not the cheapest, but it's not like premium level. Like, you know, when like Pickford's five, like I, I started this season with Pickford one year because he, he was five million. I thought Everton had a good run. I don't like paying more than 4.5 for a keeper, but it kind of may, might seem worth it. It wasn't worth it, but you know, five is five for like a kind of decent, but it's not got pre, to be relative like to their defence, though, isn't it? So we can't sit here now and mm. go, "What well, this is what it's going to be." I don't see. Do we see a Villa defender being five five? No, not really. I don't see anyone in that no. Villa defence being five no, five. Because he was all about the saves and the bonuses. So if you make him five million, not only are you making Martinez the most popular choice because he's the best keeper to get at five million. But also, if I want to back Villa's defence in any way, true. you're going to go Martinez. So you, that's why he's yeah, got to true. be five five to make you think, oh, shall I just get target at, at four five? It's got to be. It's got to be tantalising, yeah, isn't it? That, that's that's there is an art to it in that respect. Yeah. So. Well, okay. Okay. Martin, Martinez might might be better, but I, I can't really understand the logic of, of pricing like Patricio at five five. No, not, not for next Cody season. No, no, no. Uh, anyway, that's right. Though. The, the, the goalkeeper can be 0.5 more mm. if they are 0.5 better than yes. the rest of the defense. Yes. Yeah. No, I get that. That makes that makes sense. At, at least, yeah. and I think they kind of need to make the Villa defense other than Martinez cheap. Otherwise, Martinez will be hands down the most popular keeper pick anyway. Mm. And I hate to see that. I like to see them price players in a way which sets dilemmas for us and go, oh, I could get Martins for 5-5, five, five, but I can cover most of that with Target at 4-5, can't I? Mm. You know what I mean? You want that. That's what you want. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Anyway. Yeah. Defenders then, talking of which, Dallas at the top there, 171 points. Incredible. What a fantastic. I mean, I even if someone had said to me he's going to play out of position for some of the season, I wouldn't have said he would have beaten Robertson and Alexander-Arnold. <laughs> Amazing first season. Oh, I started with Bloody Luke we did. Eiling. And not only that, after about eight oh, or nine well. weeks, we were both going, ah, oh, but Ireland's the best. The stats are showing that Ireland's the best. We got that completely I wrong. I wildcarded and kept him. Yeah, we got it very, very <laughs> wrong. I mean, in the early data showed that Aileen was going to offer more going forward. Dallas wasn't at that point playing midfield, to be fair. right? But as soon as he got pushed into midfield for a few weeks, he shot right up compared to Aileen. Top scoring defender. Wow, yeah. that is that is... That is a real surprise. I mean, Aliens yeah. nowhere to be seen on this list, which shows you the impact of those attacking returns on him. Crazy. I mean, Aliens should have got more attacking returns. To be fair, his stats were pretty good in terms of potential involvement, but it didn't come in for him, did it? Um, what do we mm. think about Trent and Robertson then for next season? Because I started the season with Und- both, which was a mistake. Yeah. Did I? I might. No, I don't think I did. Um, I mean, underperformed really, but underperformed in terms of their previous seasons. Like in mm. 161 points is still mm. is still okay. And given everything that Liverpool have had to go through this season, particularly in defence, you know they've they've done quite well to make it even to that. I mean, Trent Trent has been disappointing. I mean, for neither of them to have got double digit assists, I think we we all kind of just expect that from them now because they've done it mm. kind of consistently. So. Yeah, it'd be interesting if they can push on. It, it would be even more interesting to know what that happens to their prices. Because they still, I'd still say they need to be seven each. Yeah. Oh, I, I think they'll be both. I think 
Trent will be higher. They'll probably both be the same now. You think Trent will still be mm, higher? I think even so. though Robertson yeah, has scored he's, him. he's just got that extra dimension. I think. I think seven and seven five is where they'll be. I would have thought. Hmm. Um, I mean, elsewhere on the list. I mean, you know, we're going to be bringing in the Chelsea. I mean, if, if Chilwell is first choice, if Alonso moves on, I think he's going to be very popular. Got very be. popular pick. Yeah, that wing back. Luke Shaw's yeah. going to be incredibly popular because there's no doubt he's first choice. I mean. I don't know if he'll go up to six minutes. He probably will. He'll be up to six. Yeah, at least six, I would have thought, because yeah. of his level of creativity. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's there's some interesting... I mean, I always, I'm i a sucker for an attacking fullback, right? So, but it's interesting that when I was reading more of Michael Coon's stuff, he went really cheap in defence initially, mm. whereas I went completely the opposite and went expensive. So I'm going to re-examine that strategy for sure when the prices and fixtures come out. Because I do think I went a little bit too too mad with that. I really backed Robertson and Alexander Arnold, and it didn't pay off at all. Well, they were playing for the best defensive side in the league with you know no injuries. Yeah, and then Virgil I don't got think the there was anything. Yeah, yeah. So just that was just that was just huge. It'd be be interesting to know a what what price Van Dyke comes back in because mm. he's he's going to be fit for the start of the season, and b what the injury's done to him. Is he still going to be that commanding mm. presence? Fast, right? He's, be one of his, his recovery main good, attributes. Yeah. recovery mm. quick strong everything is there going to be hopefully he can go, go back to how he's best but you often see it with these injuries mm. that, that they're not quite the same player but I hope he I hope he is on the Sanchez keeper thing Dunk is an interesting benchmark there as well because for, for Sanchez to be 5 million that means you've got to make Dunk 5.5 because if Sanchez and Dunk are the same price I'm going Dunk all day long right I guess, but you're not going to play him every week. Whereas Sanchez, I feel like you could play and get the save points and, and, and could kind of tick over. Like Dunk, you're never going to want Lewis Dunk playing every week in your in your team. No, and that, that's why I think Sanchez will be four or five because I think Dunk will be five and they can't make them the same yeah. price, can they? Because if, if, if it's Sanchez and Dunk at five minutes, I'm going Dunk every time because of the attacking returns and Sanchez doesn't make many saves either. So I think... I think Sanchez. Well, no, are, you 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 wouldn't go either, would you? Oh, a Brighton, def- yeah. I'm going to look at a Brighton defender. Really? Yeah, I think really? so. Wow. Well, the data says they should have kept a lot more clean sheets than they did, right? So, there's certainly a defence I'm looking at going into next season. Yeah. No. Well, I I, I do think Sanchez should be four point five, mm. and I do think Dunk should be five. So I guess I agree with you. Mm. Okay, midfielder. You can't. You can't. You can't make. You can't make Dunk five. No, five. I don't, exactly. He's, he's not. He's not a five. No, he's five not a five. Because that it'll kill him, won't it? That's the end of him as an asset. So he's got to be five. Sanchez could be five though, based on like potential, but it, it just seems a bit high given that there's, Brighton yeah, just there's didn't not, do it. There's not like the saves there, and you're never going to go Sanchez if he's five. No. So I think no. four, five, and five is the way to go there. Midfielders, obviously, Bruno at the top. Salah second, two forty four versus two three one. Son on two twenty eight. Outstanding season for Son. What's going to happen to Son though as an asset if Kane does depart as expected? Don't know. And if Kane goes to Manchester United, what happens to Bruno? He ain't going to hold penalties with Kane there, is he? So when you take Bruno's no penalties away, no way do they get Kane. You don't think they're going to go? Don't think they're, no they're not way. going to go in for him? You don't think? Well, they might, but they won't get him. <laughs> Okay, I think I think he's. They got, they're off to Sancho. Sancho's reportedly well, nearly, so he's nearly still signed eighty target. million. I think I think the right the right wing is 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 still the priority. I mean, yeah, I mean Kane is. They need a, They do need a, mm. a striker. I mean, Martial and Cavani, Greenwood, 
Yeah, I I just think I, I just I just can't see any way Kane doesn't go to City. Okay, all right, enough. Um, just it's too well, that, it's just that too will, obvious. That will keep Bruno right at the very top and probably yeah. all now straight into our teams. Right, game week one depended on fixtures. I can't. It's difficult to resist him. Um, even over. I mean, we said in this season that he was the new elite heavy hitter, more so than Salah. And I think probably going into next season that will be the case. If he's still on penalties, certainly. Hmm. Uh, Mane, surprise that Mane came fourth overall, isn't it? Because he had a dreadful I season. Know. In, I know. And yet he still came ranked fourth overall, 176 points. Uh, minutes per point, 16, compared to, you know, pretty good compared to some of the other names down there. Sterling, obviously, 16.5 minutes per point, disappointing, I guess, but 154. So he was a, the biggest, perhaps, midfield disappointment after Bamiang, I would say. I mean, he was the major one. But any names there for next season, apart from Rafina? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, De Bruyne was, was a massive disappointment as well. Yeah. Um, and capped off with the Champions League, fracturing his eye and, and nose, just, just had a, just had a, one of those seasons, just forget, forgettable. Mm. I'd be, it'd be good to see him back next year. I wonder what, he, what happened to his price, because he was in no way a 12 million asset this time around. What's he going to go down to? 10, 5, 11? Well, probably. The pricing, probably take a bit of a... The pricing versus Gundogan would be interesting, because Gundogan, mm. is he going to be in a similar role to he, that they did he have for that period this season? I don't think so, but he's still going to be someone to look at keenly as United City cover in midfield. Eight, eight and a half? I don't think he'd be that much. I think it could be seven, seven, five. But Foden's the seven, one, really, isn't he? Really, that low. Foden, not on this list. Oh. He's going to no, jump he is. out. Second to bottom. Oh, yeah, there he is, yeah. And then another player that I've got to mention, because he's someone that you've locked horns over on Twitter, is Havertz, of course, who we are expecting Havertz and Werner to do better, right, next season. So we expect Havertz to be in this list at the end of next season somewhere, right? But where? So let me just be clear. The, <laughs> the clip that's going around today you is a very incriminating you on video. I did. You did. You on me. It's a very incriminating video of me comparing Havertz to a Sunday league footballer, right? I stand by everything I said in that clip because I was talking about his performances up until that point in which he ran around a lot and did nothing else. Wasn't creating chances, wasn't scoring goals, wasn't doing anything. And I gave it, okay, an over-the-top example. I mean, even I, at the time, I went, oh, that's a bit hard. Even I was like Yeah, well, that's what me. you do, yeah, right? Yeah, you, you know, good for the show. Drama, theatre, yeah, exactly. all, yeah. all of this stuff. Yeah. And that's been used against me to say that I didn't predict Havertz reaching the top echelons of the game. I all, I said the whole season he had, he had potential. My point originally was it was your soundbite I wanted because you said you didn't think he had it in him. I didn't say that. I said mm, that close. I didn't think at that point that Werner and Havertz would become the players they should be because they, mm. they won't adjust. And it's not it's not a given. Havertz is certainly showing much more that he's adjusted now in that when he plays in that role, central role, he's much more. I mean, I, I still think if you stuck him out on the right where Lampard had him, he probably would still look lost, to be honest. Oh, so just, yeah. that's I mean, the problem, you know, wasn't the, it, the, at that point? The difference, the difference between Tuchel and Lampard. I mean, you don't need to, you don't need to go on. We don't need to go on about it because it's, it's, it's evident. You know, this one, the Champions League, and Lampard was saying that you know we're not ready, we're a team in transition, all this. It's like, and then Tuchel's just coming and gone. No, we're not a team in transition. We're yeah, just going to win every match. But in defence of and... Lampard, Tuchel probably knew Havertz better than Lampard, mm. and Havertz did arrive without 
a clear best position to out. I mean, I didn't know. I mean, he, he, you know, he, he is so versatile as an attacker. It's finding that role for him. And I don't think Lampard quite had long enough to get the best out of him. So I'm not blaming Frank for this. I think no, he, well, no, he I got wasn't, it I wasn't completely wrong of his position early on. I mean, that Brighton game and his debut, it was shocking. It was like he was a competition still, still winner. The worst. Wasn't it? it was like, what was well, he I doing now? See, the, I know, oh, I agree. competition winner. Oh, you'll get away with that. <laughs> oh, Mr. Mark Summers. <laughs> In that game, he was awful, right? He was awful. And Lampard had to kind of cut him some that. But that was his debut, right? Fair enough. And... Um, but, I, I, you know, over the season he's grown and in that central role, he definitely offers potential. If he's going to play there for Chelsea next season, which you've got to think he will, he's not going to be put out wide. He, can't, he could be in a deeper role, I guess. But I think... Oh, I, I wonder, I, I have no doubt and I've, I've never really had any doubt about his, his, mm. his ability and his potential, but I do wonder about his ability as an FPL asset. And I think, you know, I started the season with him without really knowing that much about him. Mm. There's no way I'd be starting next season with him I do wonder it, will, he, will, he, will we ever see him on a list like this of like 200 points I, I, I think he could he could easily go to the Premier League like win player of the season and, and be fantastic but only get something like 10 goals and 7 assists or 8 assists right. but, be, but be absolutely crucial in kind of everything that Chelsea do and, mm. and create I, I, I don't know about him FPL wise but player wise, I think his next season is going to be really, really. Exciting. I think he, if you look where Rashford is, there eleven goals, eleven assists. I can see that being Havertz around that. Yeah, one. that's true. But he yeah, could true, surprise us. It depends what Tuchel can get out of him. And I think we've seen enough to suggest that he's got to be a player to watch. Unlike Foden, I don't think he's going to be straight in our starting 11s. I think that is perhaps mm. a risk too far. Because that's that's a trap we fell into this season. We went, you know, we went Vernon. Well, F- Foden is is. I mean, Havertz will probably be around the same price, right? Eight, eight, five. Probably dropped down to eight. I'd imagine. Maybe he's, he's not done well. Yeah, yeah. Eight, 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 but but Foden. I mean, we both thought Foden was a bit underpriced to mm, six, five, six, five. Yeah. They can't really raise it that much higher, can they? Given. I don't know. I mean, seven? When we look at minutes seven? when we look at minutes per point, I think you can. Let's go to forwards first before we look at minutes per point. Mm. Um so Werner then, another interesting topic, right? He is down on 128, six goals, twelve assists, goal involvement pretty good, minutes per point, twenty point three, not that great, right? Well behind Kane on twelve point seven, Bamford fifteen point eight. But if you're listing players who we expect to kick on next season, there aren't many on that list. Watkins will be one. You expect him to get better. Maybe Calvert-Lewin. You're not going to look at... I mean, I think we've seen the best of Vardy. I think we've probably seen the best of Chris Wood. You say that about Watkins, though. You don't think Watkins will they kick on Grealish. Yeah, well, true. They lose Grealish. True. Boy, is he going to get more than four, 14 goals? Mm. Is, is an unbelievable return for an Aston Villa striker. Yeah. Well, without Grealish, yeah, I agree. We probably won't see I think I think he'll regress, if anything. He's a good player, though. I do, I, mm. I do like him. But in terms of potential to get better, there aren't many better here than Werner, I don't think. Ian Acho, of course, right? We know that he'll be, he'll be a, a very works. popular pick. Funny. But Werner, yeah. I mean, what will we get, though? I, I've still got my doubts about him. I still think that his position is not clear. Because if Havertz does play central, what is that? Is that Werner out on the left? Is, you know, it's the same old problem again. It's finding a place for him. But he, Tuchel likes him, and Tukel seems to be getting... The bit, I don't say I hesitate to say the best out of him, but he's getting more out of him than Lampard. It seemed. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I you know I I I I didn't agree with you on Havertz, but the more I watch Werner, the more I struggle to see 
it. Mm. Uh, like, okay, like some of the stuff he does is great. Some of the runs he makes, some of the, the space he creates, he's so fast. He's got all his ability. It's just, I just watch his like touch and his finishing ability and his composure and all this stuff. And he just doesn't look good at it. But, and I just wonder mm. if there's going to be like a, a, a switch that just goes mm. and he just starts scoring everything. But it just reminds me a little bit of like Torres when he, when he signed mm. for Chelsea. And like, okay, he'd had the injury and he, he kind of wasn't the same player, but he, you know, it's just that there's, I've just got that image of Torres burned into my mind of him just looking up to the sky and being like, I can't believe I've just missed another like golden opportunity. And that's a bit what Werner's mm. like. You know, just, I just think of Werner, it's just him going, oh no, I've missed another but one. Turn for Torres. And interesting <laughs> as well, I think Suarez, his first season, he suffered similar stats to Werner. Right? I saw a tweet about that and that was like, oh yeah, interesting. You know, Suarez, who became almost a king of FBL and everyone's captain. Mm. I, don't, I, I don't know, though, whether Werner's got that kind of transformation in him. But I do expect him to do better. So I think he... And like you say, pricing-wise, he isn't going to go up. He's going to go down, I think. I think he could be like 9 or 8, mm. 5 even. Maybe less than that. So he's I mean, going to be 12, interesting. 12 assists, 12 assists is, is good. Is, is a good return. Mm. So if he, if he can double his goals, so if he can get 12 goals, which if he's leading oh, the yeah, line for Chelsea with, with the stuff they've got around him... Oh, you've got to think he's still a 12, mm. a 12, 15 goal a season person if he, if he can just show anything better than, than what he's been doing. If he's 9 million playing up front for Chelsea and, and has that kind of potential, then then I am tempted. But they're going to buy, aren't they? I mean, they're going to be in the market for centre-forward, surely. I mean, Havertz can play there and has, but they've got to... If they, if they sign a striker, then he's, yeah, he's done. Exactly, that's, what, that's the worry, isn't it? Because it, it'll be shifted out on the left and he'll be competing with Pulisic. But I think they're going to sell Abraham and get a big name in probably not Kane, but elsewhere. I don't know. It's going to be, I mean, they're Champions yeah, League winners, right? So maybe they're happy with what they've got. They bloody well should be, I expect, because Tuchel's done if they, fantastic. If they do that, though, then then maybe it's it's time to offload him. Hmm. Well, we'll see. It's a, it's a big <laughs> season for Werner, as it is for Havertz. So really mm. interesting. So just looking at minutes per points, and, and this, this perhaps reveals some players that we should consider. And Foden is right out there, 11.9 minutes per point. This is why I think his price could go up significantly because the FBL are, are going to be aware of that because I know that's a metric they've looked at before. So I think he could jump quite significantly to around 8.5, I think, Foden. Do you think that's too much? Where would you put him? I think he's... I think he should be priced similar to Gundogan. Hmm. So that would be around eight. Yeah. I, it's just strange though, because I know I know the minutes per point is good, but Foden just hasn't been an option, has he? For for anyone. The people the people that have had him have been burnt really hard by him because he just hasn't played enough games. Um yeah, 135 points is more than I thought. I mean, I'm just thinking about um Robertson and, and Trent, who got 160-ish. Mm. Like it's not that far off them and they are like elite FPO options mm. and he's got 30 points less, less than them and he's a midfielder. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think, I think they, have, they have to put his price up because if, he, if, they, if they price him at 6.5 and he's starting Oh no, week, it'll, it'll go up for sure. It's just how much and what is the right amount. It's gonna be, um, also, they're looking further down, a name we haven't talked about. We mentioned him briefly in the, going into the final view. Pepe did really well, 14.1 minutes per point. Yeah. Ten goals. He's on. He's on my list. I mean, seven seven. He's not going to. I don't think. You know, he'll probably stick around that around seven five. I think. He started at yeah, eight. He's, he's he? on my. He's on my list. He's got to be, isn't he? Yeah. 
I mean, back-to-back braces in the last two weeks. Mm. It's just Arsenal. Mm. What happens with Arsenal? Like, how, how much are they going to back Arteta to kind of push them on a lot more? Mm. You know, William was a complete disaster this year. They've got some exciting picks with Smith-Rowe and Saka. Well, look. Udegaard's leaving. You know, back to, back to Madrid. Yeah. Well, I say, so they probably need another creative hub because he's been fantastic for them. Yeah, but Smith Rowe, Willock, Saka, Martinelli, they've got some brilliant talent there. That's one one yeah, of those yeah. could really break out. Yeah. I mean, arguably that I think it could I think I genuinely think it could be Pepe. Right. Next year. I th- I think it, it this this could be it for him. But, I think he's he had a bit of a turning point this year mm. and finished the season strongly. But my point is if Smith Rowe, Saka, Martinelli and Willock, if we think any of those are going to be regular starters, they're going to be cheaper than Pepe still, I think. Do you not think? Mm. So one of yeah, those, I imagine so. One of those five, including Pepe, I think could be central to our season next year. I think very much so. But Pepe is the best of the lot on paper. In terms of the finished <laughs> article, probably is. Yeah, he should be. Yeah. Should be. In term, you know, they paid 75 mm. million for him or, or whatever it was. Mm. You, you don't just, you know, you don't just do that because... You know, especially Arsenal, they're, they're quite tight with with their money. Like he he should be, he should be the one. Is my point. I'm not mm. saying he is the best of the lot, but he should be the one that is worth that extra money on top of the others. Yeah. But it, it would be great if if Smith Rowe or Saka really did break through because Saka had such good underlying mm. numbers this year, and a lot of the games he played. He's the trouble is his versatility. Where's he going to play? Centre mid on the right, back at left mm. back wherever. But yeah, Smith if Smith Rowe is number ten for Arsenal and what six five six. I'd be tempted. Yeah, I mean, it's exciting times at Arsenal and, and, and I think they're going to be a source of value for us. I hope so, because um, Willock is a mm. player, you know, 15.4 minutes per point, end of the season, incredible, seven goals, seven games. Uh, you know, pick out Abraham again here. I mean, he, he had a real on-off season, didn't really get opportunities apart from early on with Frank. But 15 minutes per point shows that when he, if he gets a move and he gets regular starts, he's going to be around six five seven of a default depending on what club mm. he goes to. So he could be a bargain. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. So there's, there's a lot of hope here for next season. No, Lingard as well, we haven't spoke about him. Where's he going to go? There's a lot of hope, I think, for the template being a lot less settled next season. Because I, I want to see that. I do think this season has been one where the template became quite robust and difficult to go against. And there wasn't the players like Sterling and Obama, Aim De Bruyne who were threatening to break it up mm. they weren't consistent enough whereas next season I hope what I wish for is we've got six heavy hitters or seven and then we've mm. got really good yeah. mid-price options who could like Madison for example he's another player who hasn't didn't get the chance to deliver this season on my list yeah. as well yeah he was a shame because he, he was in good form got that injury came back I think he got rushed a bit into it and, and then you know he's not even talked about in England you know mm. didn't obviously didn't get called up but just kind of because he was right on the fringe, yeah. wasn't he? And then that injury kind of really set him back. But he's he's always been someone I've I've had my I think what I've enjoyed most, I mean, this season's been difficult for a lot of reasons mm. for everyone and, and whatever, but what I've enjoyed this season the most is just how many different picks have emerged throughout the season that I just never would have thought could do it. You know, Shaw, Stones, Gundogan, uh, Lingard, Iheanacho. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. At the end of the season, you had like Willock scoring like every match. It's... It's great. It's why I it's why I love FPL. It's why every year is different because you get these these guys emerging. So 
We have to go for it again now. I know, season. I know. Euros. Who's going to come out in the Euros? Well, I, We're going to get so excited you're, about a player. You're, you're playing the Euros quite hard by the looks of it. You've been putting those I excellent am. threads up. One of several people putting excellent threads up. Um, I know Bakar's been I'm doing sweets. Absolutely buzzing. There's loads of content out on Twitter and, and on yeah, the various sites on, on Euro. I mean, I'm purposely staying out of it. I'm going to spend my summer analysing last season a bit more and trying to come up with more stuff for the show in term, that we can look at in the pre-season. And then we've got The Apprentice, of course, which we're going to kick off yep. hopefully in a few weeks when we've um, made our selections and got in touch. I think that's going to happen very soon. Uh, on that front as well, actually, um, if you... Uh, oh, no, that's the predictions. What am I talking about? We'll come back to that in a minute. Um, yeah, if you... if you still not too late. You still get your application in at apprentice at fblblackbox.com if you know of anyone who could fit the criteria we've got there. Someone who knows football, perhaps never played FBL, who's willing to have um, a social media account because we're going to introduce that over the season, get them involved on Twitter and is willing to come on camera at times or on the podcast. We're not going to do loads of it, but a little bit of that. And mail us at that address with the nominated person or get that person. Last chance. He is your last chance. It really is. So very soon we'll be reaching out. Um, Just briefly, um, the Black Box League. Congratulations to Michael Atkins who won our Black Box League and came 31st in the world. Uh, and to Torje Hegner, who came second, 32nd in the world. And to Ingar Martinson, 42nd in the world. Um, the Scandinavians Michael, can you get in touch? Because I will get you your meal. It won't be with me, but I will treat you to a, a Deliveroo. Uber Eats slash oh. Deliveroo of, well, your, if, of your choice. If you use yeah. Uber Eats, you've still got that £5 off, you cheapskate. <laughs> <Boom. laughs> um, yeah, very well played, Michael. We're going we're gonna to follow our league a lot tighter next season. Um, so Connor Richardson, if you're going to be mentioned again on the uh, on the show, you're going to have to get into the top twenty again. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, shout out to Connor who's been in the chat every week supporting us. So very thanks for that. But yeah, well played to everybody. Won't go through the full list there. Just touch on the predictions outcomes there. Fifty percent correct very score. Clever, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we ran this thanks to FBL Potnood. We ran this throughout the season. This is our the results of our predictions league. Um, I got 97 correct outcomes. You got 96. Couldn't have been tighter, could it? I'm ha- re- Do you know what? I'm really happy with that, though. Mm. I, we both said around 50% and we'd be happy. I think, you know, you, you've you been clever here because what you've done is every week we normally do it with decimal places what? and this week you've rounded it up. I don't, so I don't see any decimal sneaky. places anywhere on yeah. this. What are you talking about? Yeah, I know I have. Yeah, in pre- it's yeah. very clever. That was good. But yeah, I, I think I think 50%. Out of these matches, and we've, um, and I think recently we've we have started being a bit. I think it's just been a bit more obvious mm. in the last few weeks, but particularly when we first started, and it was kind of all over the place. Uh, we're very different, like outcomes and things. Mm. So for us to be this close, and for it to be fifty percent, yeah, it's good. It's good. See if we can Mappy. keep that up next season or get any better. Let's see. It's it's an interesting one. Your outcome stuff is crazy though. You was you were very good at that. The correct scores, yeah. I'm, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'll do a bit of analysis of that and see where I was best. I mean, not it's not crazy, but it's it's good. It's, we'll see. We'll see how we compare next season. See if that helps us at all. Um, I want to end on a special shout out to Fergie, um, who's someone who, who who does the Green Arrow podcast, who's who's just been really good. Him and Adam. The Fergie won the dream team, the Sun dream team, oh, seventy five yeah. wow. grand, um, which really. I think it's fantastic for the community when someone so involved in the community who does so much for the community in terms of producing content wins something like that. And a shout out also to uh, Chris Tan who won the um, Champions League um, fan team as well. And General came... I can one-up both of these. General got 
some money out there. He came fourth, I, I think. Um, so those, you know, seeing people do well in those competitions, it, it, it's fantastic. And what it does for me, it kind of, we don't need our, this hobby validated. And I know we all play FBL and we're not interested in prizes, but those guys do play other games. I'm, I'm, to be honest, yeah, I'm yeah. not interested at the moment in doing that, but it does make you think, you know, this hobby can pay off quite literally. And Well, shout out to Josh, who I've been in a, in a mini league with mm. for five, six years. He won the Premier League fan team, 200 grand. You're joking. Nope. He was fourth going into the final day and uh, Edison saved a penalty for him. Wow. And he had, I think he had Mane and uh, yeah, won it. Wow. 200k. Well, congratulations. You just trumped Fergie sorry there. To, I was just giving sorry to, <laughs> sorry to Trump, but yeah, yeah Josh, well played. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we, 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 before COVID, we were meeting up every year at a bar in London and, and going for drinks. I've mentioned them a few mm. times on this stream. Mm. But I tell you, it's going to be a hell of a celebration when we meet up in, well, in Belushi's... Well, uh... fair play to him. It's great. <laughs> I think it's fantastic that you know, people we know and people in the community doing well like that. And yeah, well done, Fergie. Well played. Well deserved. Because he plays a lot of those games. He's done well in all of them, really, this season. Um, so I uh, hope you celebrate in style and uh, take Adam out for a drink. At least one. On. Um, but yeah, brilliant <laughs> stuff. And uh, yeah, so who knows? I mean, I, I'm still sceptical whether I should be playing some of those games as well. I, I just don't want to get in the way of FBL and I don't know if I, my head can take another few games thrown in but I'll have a look it makes you think doesn't it that perhaps we should be playing some of those games and hopefully trying to win some money but uh. fan, 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 fan team is an interesting one mm. it's the trouble with fan team is you're kind of encouraged to enter multiple teams yeah of course so you know a lot of people have mm. like 10, 15, 20 teams you're kind of competing against but there are a lot less people playing than, than there is like FBL and yeah. you don't just win for coming you know first there's, there's, there's lots of different prizes they're changing some of the rules next year. I'm, I'm doing some videos for Fan Team. Oh, uh, right. Nice links there. The so that's right. Okay. Fine. Yeah. I played. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so look out for those. But yeah, yeah fan, fan, team, fan Team is something I'll, I'll play next year, mm. I think. Yeah, well, a lot of them do. I mean, general plays out there. A lot of managers out there mm. dip into it as well. But um, for me, it's probably going to be FBL only next season. And I'm going to spend my summer not playing Royalist. the Euro game, but trying to figure out Boom. how I'm going to get better next season. It's going to be tough, actually. I'm going to, I actually, should have started off with a more average season than the one I've just had because it's going to be really hard to build on that, which is the idea of Blackboard's course to get better. So it's going to be awkward going backwards, but I got a feeling that could happen. So we'll <laughs> see. But I'm sure you'll have a better season as I think you're. I think you'll kick on. Yeah, I'm feeling. I'm feeling. I'm feeling. I'm. I'm I honestly, I thought I'd need like weeks to recover, but I'm. I'm ready to go. Mm. Yeah, can't wait for the. You know, can't wait for the game to launch again and and to start doing my pre-season teams and get the apprentices going and yeah, it's going to be really exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it. So we'll be back at probably in a month's time or so with the first apprentice video. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. We'll take it easy. We'll relax. We'll enjoy the Euros and uh, we'll be in touch soon about what we're doing in the off season. We'll do lots in once the game is out, of course, we'll do lots of videos in yeah. and we'll be appearing on pods all over the place, I expect, and doing things on Scout, etc. Um, so keep an eye out on that. That. Uh, for now, um, thanks very much for listening and uh, have a great summer and we'll see you in a few weeks. So it's a, it's a goodbye from me. Good night, everyone. See you soon.
Social Podcast Network.